Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you. Michael Remus jumping in in a minute. we got a busy show today. Manitoba Open well, I guess it's officially on, although they're not playing any golf yet because of that crazy storm we had last night. We'll look forward to catching up with Scott Pritchard, the executive director of PGA Tour Canada from Southwood in a few minutes to get the latest on the tournament and look ahead to the weekend. We'll also have a visit from Ken Weeb. Weeb's World will be live with us, I believe from the western part of the province, getting ready for a golf tournament of his own. Lots to get to with Weaver. And then... Later on in the show, Andy McNamara. What a great time to have Andy Mack on. We were going to talk about some NFL news and notes from around training camp. But, of course, Andy is the card-carrying member of the Canadian contingent of the Browns fan club. Now knows the punishment for their new quarterback, Deshaun Watson. We'll discuss that and all the other big stories in and around the National Football League. Great to have you with us. First, before we get going, a big shout-out to... All the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Cinnaboy Downs, Canadian Club, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Culligan Water, Aikens Lake, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, and our friends over at Vita Health. Um, so lots to get to, and this is a bit of a different show today. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get things going. Remo, uh, how are you today? A little bit of a different operation on WST, especially for our YouTube viewers. Yeah, well, we're getting ready for me to take some time off for the first time uh, ever. Um, I got Alex filling in, uh, managing the show. So I'm kind of just here. I'm going to be working on some other stuff, but I'm happy to give all the commentary. Um, you know, we were sitting here like two hours ago, 1130. We're like, man, like, what are we going to talk about? today like what's going on here and uh thank you nazim kadri uh or elliot or kevin weeks whoever we need to thank for announcing it today Brad Treleving, that's who we have to thank like we don't need like i agree we don't need every signing july 1 there's a lot of signings like we need to have to save some for mid-august <laughs> when there's nothing there's nothing going on and you just have this kadri bomb uh it was, it was wild to see calgary as the destination yeah, no doubt. Obviously, we're going to get to all of that. But hey, an official WST welcome to Alex, who's going to be with us for a good portion of the next couple weeks. You can welcome in the chat, folks. And uh, we really are appreciative to have him jump on and uh, keep this thing rolling while Remus gets some uh, very deserved time off. It's going to be weird, though. I mean, we're now, what, 16, 17, 18 months into this? I don't even know. But it is true. There has never been a segment of WST that has been not operated, produced by yours truly until this moment right now on a that, little bit of a, uh, a, a practice run for uh, for Rack. So um, uh, for Alex. So, anyways, great to have him with us, and we'll uh, look forward to having Alex uh, and uh, keep this show running for the next couple of weeks, with a couple of days exception that Remus is going to be popping in. And who knows when you are at West, maybe we'll get some and wisdom from the West Coast when uh, when you're with us. But bottom line today, we are going to be talking some golf because the big story here locally is the Manitoba Open. But is anyone that um, maybe is not 
able to sleep through literally anything found out last night, another massive storm, and it has really impacted the golf course. And listen, Southwood has amazing drainage, but when you get dropped, uh, you know, at five, six in the morning, right an hour before guys are supposed to tee off 50 to 60 millimeters of rain, it really has impacted the golf course and it's still raining right now. So uh, I'm not sure we're still waiting on further direction from the Manitoba Open as to when the players will be on. That being said, Remo, the positive is that the weather does look a lot better once we get out of today. So frankly, for people that are going to be heading out there Monday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there might be a little bit of uh, extra golf to be played because they're going to have to try and squeeze in four rounds likely over the course of three days. Yeah, you got woken up last night by that. Uh, I think it was like 4 or 5 a.m., the lights or like my bedroom was just flashing uh, from the constant nonstop lightning, huge rainstorm. I saw Scott Billick tweeted at like 4 a.m. Like hmm, some Billick's some a light sleeper. <laughs> He's like some rainstorm, huh? And I just like favorited it and tried to go back to bed. Uh, what time was that? I'm looking at his tweet because I definitely favored it at 4:10 a.m. And like my room was just flashing. It was so crazy. So. Um, was able to get back to sleep, but yeah, not ideal for golf, Huss, uh, 4.10 a.m., and I think it had been like a week we didn't have rain. I was wondering if I should start having to water my grass, and this week I really haven't had to because we had a big rainstorm, I think, was it Monday and again last night? Yeah, Monday was nuts, uh, and, and you know, it's funny. I kind of figured that, you know, before we talked to Scott Pritchard and Ken and Andy, that the first 20 minutes or so of the program we might be talking about my food picks from the baseball game last night. We'll save that for the end of the program, I think, because as you mentioned, we do have big breaking news in the National Hockey League, and that is Nazem Kadri is seemingly off the market, and he is going to the Calgary Flames on a seven-year, $7 million AAV deal for a total of 49 mil. It took a while. He got the long-term deal. Certainly, I think, you know, we've been using the evolving hockey numbers who have been pretty much on it throughout. I mean, it's been amazing how close their um, uh, their predictions have been for these deals. Wasn't the case for Nassim Kadri. I mean, certainly with the season that he had last year, it was expected that he might get in excess of $8 million. But today, this is a great example, Remus, that there's only so much money to go around in this flat cap world. And even for a player as in demand as Nassim Kadri, maybe that full bank-breaking deal wasn't quite there. That being said, no one's going to be holding any big sales for Naz. He's getting almost 50 mil to join the Calgary Flames, a team that he declined a trade to in 2019, interestingly enough. Yeah, I think part of that decline was that he just liked Toronto. It wasn't anything against Calgary. It's just, you know, you like where you are, and we can all agree, moving sucks. It's terrible, so... I think you like the situation. He had a great year last year. Nazem Kadri, huge uh, break. D7 points in 71 games. His previous high was 61. I think a couple things working against him. You know, you had that failed free agent class, the, what, Andrew Ladd, Louis Erickson, David Backus here that we keep talking about Luch. over and over again. Uh, I mean, he's 31 years old. I think there's, you know, you're not going to give him the huge years and term i think there's an understanding that the last couple of years of this contract isn't going to you know may not work out um but for him you know you get a long-term deal just take it and i said to you off air you don't want to get klingberg 
where you ask for too much and you're forced to take a one-year deal and you know you try to do it again next year. Um, get the money now. And you saw Huberto take it. I mean, Huberto from Calgary, he had never played for them. He had never lived in the city. You don't know how it's going to work. It could work out horribly. But if someone offers you, you know, over 10 mil a year, you say yes. So uh, Nazem Kadri signing with Calgary. And I think Brad Living. I wonder if he's overtaken Pierre Dorian for the uh, offseason champion. At least degree of difficulty. Where we thought Calgary was a couple months ago, <laughs> this team screwed. Goudreau picked Columbus of all places. Kachuk doesn't want to sign there. Now you turn, um, sorry, uh, you turn Kachuk into Huberto and Uyghur. Maybe you do sign Uyghur and a first-round pick. And we can get into the second part of this, uh, this Kadri signing. And now you get Kadri as well. So they're deep down the middle. They might even be better than last year. I'm not sure. But Calgary, I mean, Brad Living has done a great job keeping them uh, competitive here in a Western conference that is not very good. Well, and, and the Pacific division as well. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. had sort of just handed it over to the Edmonton Oilers after what happened with uh, Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk. But it's a very different looking Flames team. But I think certainly, at least in the short term, for the first year going into next season, um, you could argue that they might be close to as competitive as they were last season. Although... I'm not sure how you can replicate the magic of that line with Elias Lindholm along with Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. I mean, that five-on-five five was the best line in hockey last year. They all had career years. I believe they all had 40 goals. I mean, it was uh, an absolute bulldozer of a line. Now, those two top players are gone. Lindholm is still there and one of the top two-way centers in the game in, in, for my money. But adding in Huberto who uh, set an NHL record for points on the left wing last year, and now Kadri coming in. Um, it's certainly an aggressive move by Brad Treleving to maintain this window and the competitive nature of the Calgary Flames right now, both in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference. And I'll say this, dude. Um, like, you nailed it. The degree of difficulty. The, like, what he was what was thrown at Brad Treleving this year was as challenging as any general manager in hockey, I think, faced. And the fact that he's coming out of it with Uyghur, with Huberto, and now with Nassim Kadri is, well, it's a masterpiece today. However, there has to be some level of caution, big picture, knowing that Jonathan Huberto is now signed through 38 years old and Nassim Kadri as well will be property of the Calgary Flames, barring a trade or a buyout until 38 years old right now. So it's pretty damn clear that the time is now for the Calgary Flames. And uh, they are not willing to walk off that or take a step back despite losing Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, it's uh, incredible work here by Brad Treleving when we thought that, okay, well... You know, let's go. They're, I guess they're going for a rebuild, right? I mean, Gaudreau doesn't want to be there. Neither does Kachuk. Well, he might as well just trade everyone and start up. But full credit to them. And, you know, you see so many teams do this. Us, they pack it in. They trade assets. They, you know, try to say, okay, we're going to rebuild. Maybe like, um, like Chicago did. But full credit to Calgary. They're saying, you know what, we had a first place team. We're going to try to get back to it. So that what they had a bunch of money lying around. They weren't going to give Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. So they figured out how to give it to Huberto 
and Nazem Kadri now in you know, maybe McKenzie Weger. I do wonder if there are more moves. They did have to make a salary cap move here. Um, we're hearing reports of Sean Monaghan going to Montreal in the trade. I, that hasn't been made official. There's just been, I think there's been, or we haven't heard what's coming back, right? Or, or what's going yeah, with I him. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been first. confirmed. I, I mean, essentially, all the insiders have now basically tweeted out, it's seven by seven for Kadri. He's a Calgary flame. Part mm. of what needed to take place was Calgary finding a spot for Sean Monaghan's contract. Come on down, Montreal Canadiens. Now, I have seen it rumored that the first-round pick that came from Florida to Calgary might be the piece that goes to Montreal. And, hell, if they're able to pull that off, good for the Habs. Um, there's only one year left on Sean Monaghan's deal at 6.375. So if that's the cost to get $6.5 million off, your, off the cap for the year of a future first-round pick, uh, Montreal in their situation would be insane not to take it. Um, but again, I mean, this is an aggressive swing for Brad Treleving. Who knows if he's going to be with the Flames in three, four, five years down the road, never mind at the end of these deals. The job right now is to win. The job right now is to be competitive. And I think it's also even bigger for the Flames organization, Reem, because we all know that they play in probably the biggest dump of an arena in the National Hockey League right now. <laughs> it's long overdue that they get, you know, a new home for the, for this, uh, you know, new home to replace the Saddle Dome. And I think last year, obviously there's a bunch of politics that are involved in Calgary that I don't even really know or want to get into. Um, but if you're filling the building, you've got an exciting team and you're making the playoffs and you're contending, it's a hell of a lot easier to get people on board for a big project like that. And I think the Calgary Flames are in a much better situation organizationally with these players on board than if they just sort of packed it up and, said this is a full rebuild after losing Johnny Hockey and Kachuk. Yeah, just on Sean Monaghan. So uh, Elliot Friedman says Monaghan is going to Montreal, but we don't know uh, if someone's going with him officially or what's coming back. And as far as the Calgary Arena goes, I went to a game there years ago. I mean, the upper deck was basically like the Winnipeg Arena upper deck. It reminded me a lot of yeah. the Winnipeg Arena. That's how, how old this arena is. And we talked about how much FOMO we got when we saw them partying in Calgary during the playoffs. Major FOMO that park got. It's a fear of missing out, by the way, for for people who may not may not know. But know the uh, acronym. I think if yeah for yeah for the acronym. But I think maybe like could a good team drive them to get a new arena? I have no idea. They've been fighting about it there for so long. What are they going to do? Who's going to pay for it? Uh, you hope that it gets resolved uh, for Calgary. You think that it will. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Here's the thing, though. Um, if you take such a big step back and the team sucks all of a sudden and you've got 5,000 empty seats every night, it's a pretty hard yeah. ask to say, hey, we really need a new arena to make this all happen. I mean, I think there's so many reasons why Calgary does. And it's sort of weird for a city of that size, of that prominence in Calgary, to have the worst stadium or worst arena in the National Hockey League right now and McMahon Stadium would be, I mean, I haven't been to where the Alouettes are playing right now, but I mean, it's sort of a, you know, that Molson Stadium, they sort of rejigged a smaller spot. Ottawa's got a new ring, a new building. Hamilton does. The Argos are at BMO Field. I think clearly McMahon is the worst stadium yeah. by a lot in the Canadian Football League as well. So um, they've got some things to do. Uh, but one of the things that they got to do now is the, is the city is welcome in another top center. And, 
you know, you add in and you look at where the Flames are right now, um, you know, with the addition of Kadri, um, you know, instead of having Goudreau and Kachuk uh, on Elias Lindholm's uh, wings, it looks like it'll be Hubidor and potentially Tyler Toffoli. You got Mangiapane and Blake Coleman with Kadri, and you, you still have Michael Backlund and Dylan Dubé on that third line. Now, they'll tweak out and probably bring in. They do have some younger players going through. But to me, the real strength of the team continues to be the blue line. And a blue line that right now, until Mackenzie Weger gets his raise, um, you know, pretty damn affordable. Chris Tanev was a beast last year. I think he may very well play with Weger on that top pairing. And then you got Noah Hannafin with Rasmus Anderson, who for my money is one of the best value contracts in the National Hockey League. And Zadarov and Shillington both had strong years last year. And of course, Jacob Markstrom. So um, I think it was incumbent on the organization to try to not take too far of a step back. But if you would have told me today that we'd be talking about a Flames team with Jonathan Huberto signed for the next nine seasons, Kadri for the next seven seasons, and Mackenzie Weger on the books as well, Pretty damn good work by Brad Treleving. And, hey, we know how important it is to get term on contracts here in Winnipeg. And, again, the final years of these deals may be a little ugly, but for the next, for the foreseeable future, Calgary is in a, a pretty nice situation, and they won't be having a lot of the conversations they had last year about those contracts and the same chats that we're going to be having on this show throughout this season and heading into next offseason with one year left on Wheeler, Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, and of course, Pierre-Luc Dubois under team control. Yeah, I guess the Jets are going to have that Calgary-type offseason pretty soon. And, you know, it's amazing you look at a team like Calgary, you know, who's making all these moves, and we're sitting here kind of twiddling our thumbs, um, waiting for the Jets to do something, anything, the biggest moves, what, signing Mason Appleton to a three-year deal as an RFA? And you were talking to me like there was so who didn't get Kadri, the team that was rumored this whole time, the New York Islanders. And we had heard was it last week that someone tweeted out, oh, they got like four moves coming. And I said we said, oh, Kadri and just signing their RFAs. But they've really done absolutely nothing. The Islanders. So if you had to say, you know, what's going to happen now because of Kadri being signed, the Islanders, I don't know what's up with them. And also, what does it mean for some other free agents? Or what, how's Colorado going to replace him? Do they go and sign Paul Stasny? Is he the guy there? Um, or and well, another Stasny team like the Islanders situation. or the Avs? Yeah, I'm going to say the team with the Islanders has Stasny. to make a trade. Well, there's a bunch of teams that have to do that right now, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to see what sort of cap space at least. Although it's so difficult to really figure out what the Islanders are doing right now because we really don't know if Lou has made a bunch of moves that aren't showing up on the cap right now. Right now, it says they've got $11 million in projected cap space. But, of course, that's without signing Kiefer Bellows, Noah Dobson, and Alex Romanov. And all those players are going to take up a significant amount of uh, of that cap. But Paul Stastny, I think, bringing it back to Winnipeg, is a key person in this entire mix. I mean, I've said for the last little bit, considering where the Jets are right now, Um, it sure would be nice to get Paul Stastny back in the mix for one more season here in Winnipeg, considering where this team is at. On the ice, he certainly helps. And I think off the ice, he's a very, very important part of this team that really hasn't changed very much from last year. The thought was that if Kadri, you know, if if the Avalanche found a way 
to move, you know, potentially a Gerard to get the amount of cap space that they would allow them to get Kadri signed. That takes, uh, you know, Stastny out of the mix with Kadri gone. I mean, they're looking for a cheaper option at center. Now, is Paul Stassi going to come in and deliver an 89-point season? No, um, but certainly for far less than Nazem Kadri is commanding with the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, everything that Paul Stassi brings to the table, I think, would be attractive to the Colorado Avalanche. Not sure whether that happens, but I do think that that opening in Colorado makes it even less likely if you were still holding out any hope like I've been that maybe Paul Stastny circles back and comes back to the Jets. Say it's probably a little more unlikely after this move today. Yeah, I'm just looking at the cap, you know, projected cap space here on cap friendly. The Avs got $3.9 million projected remaining. I think Paul Stastny would fit nice under there. We know his connection. He played there before, went to college there. Uh, as for the Jets, you know, maybe they try to take it. There's teams over the cap now. Edmonton, we've talked about this week. Washington's over. Who Vegas is is over. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I don't think it seems like at the end of the year, Stasny had kind of, I don't want to say went scorched earth on on the Jets, but just the way he spoke at the end of the season was was honest. But it seemed like you know he was ready to move on uh, to a team that was prepared to play for each other. Well, see, part of me, part of me, I mean, if you were just leaving, why do you say all that? I mean, maybe I'm just Paul Stastny's a stand-up guy and it basically had it and said, hey, this is what needs to be said for these guys going forward, but wasn't going. I sort of took it that he, and I think I was wrong, to be perfectly honest, considering what he said after the fact, knowing that there was the potential um, that he'd be going, uh, that he'd be going elsewhere and wanted to sign with a contending team. But I sort of took that as he was going to be here and part of solution. Neither guys needed to get with it or get out. And um, obviously that changed. The tone of that entire conversation changed a little bit when it became apparent that his first choice was to sign with the Stanley Cup contending team. And unfortunately for Winnipeg at this point after the season that they had last year, probably hard to convince Certainly someone that was right in the middle of it that um, you're going to bring it all back and things are going to be night and day as opposed to what last year happened. All that being said, hopefully that is the case. Lots on Rick Bonus's plate. Uh, and of course, we'll get to that with Ken Weeb coming up in a few minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So yes, we'll save the, the food convo from the game last night, although there was some beauties uh, till the end of the program. We're also going to be talking to Sean Watson and his now negotiated settlement of suspension after the National Football League's appeal. Andy McNamara is going to join us, and we'll have much more hockey talk focusing on the Winnipeg Jets a little bit later on. By the way, little announcement for you folks. We spent a lot of time talking about the great addition, the biggest free agent the Jets have signed this offseason, Sarah Orleski. Sarah is going to be on the program tomorrow. So I know many of you are big fans of Sarah. I'm really looking forward to talking to her about finishing up at TSN, her new opportunity, what she's going to be doing with the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, maybe look ahead to what it'll be like being on the sidelines for the final time at TSN in front of a packed house at a sold-out banjo bowl later on in, uh, in a few weeks. But first up, we're going to head out to Southwood to check in on the Manitoba Open. But before we do that, got to give a big thanks to our friends 
at Vita Health Fresh Market. Uh, you know, Vita Health stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural grocery supplements and beauty products, all at great prices. An incredible selection of amazing barbecue options for you and your family or whether you're entertaining and a grab-and-go deli for folks that are on the run with delicious and healthy fresh sandwiches soups and salads as only vita health can do pop down and see them at one of seven winnipeg locations or check them out online at their new fully shoppable website you can schedule a in-store pickup or a delivery with instacart man it was cool having westy on the program last week and when he did, he mentioned that he had just gotten a dog run over at Wallace and Wallace. Of course, Wallace and Wallace are the fencing experts in town. And they had that great involvement with the Bark in the Park last week. Uh, but they also are Winnipeg's leading garage door specialist, working with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. And despite supply plane, uh, chain issues, you can still get a beautiful new garage door delivered and installed within four weeks just in time for the chaos around the corner post Labor Day when your garage door is going to go be going up and down between school, hockey practices, and everything that your busy family uh, has going on. By the way, new garage doors can also add up to 4% to the value of your home. home. With 161 styles of garage doors to choose from, there's a style that's right for your home. Visit them at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call or visit their showroom over on Lawson Road. Just got the email yesterday, my F apparel custom suits ready to pick up. Man, the entire process was phenomenal working with Andrew and his team down at F apparel. And I'm very much looking forward to, maybe maybe I will, I'm actually looking forward to doing another suit show or so on Winnipeg Sports Talk going forward. Of course, got a wedding coming up, the gala support, uh, honoring Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman and probably bring it out for that as well. Bottom line, guys, is if you need to step up your game, head on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at just $400 and a great summer special right now with three custom shirts for only $210. Find out everything F can do for you at F, it's E-P-H, apparel.com. Check out their great special for your entire wedding party and visit them in person down at 190 Smith Street. And once again, just have to give a big thanks to the amazing team over at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. My God, we had such a great weekend a couple of weeks ago. I'm already counting down the days to get there next year. But if you are thinking about an amazing friends and family trip where you can be on the water after the flight in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, or maybe an incredible corporate event after being on Zoom calls for the last couple of years, Aikens Lake is the place to do it. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. Or uh, hit him up on Twitter. Our good friend Pitt Turan is always there for you at Aikens Lake as well. All right. So Ken Weeb's going to join us later on. We'll have more on what happened today with Nazem Kadri signing in Calgary, where that leaves the Jets, what Ken may be hearing about Paul Stastny, as well as all the other big stories on the Jets offseason. But right now, let's get ready for the Manitoba Open and welcome in Scott Pritchard, the Executive Director of PGA Tour Canada for the latest from Southwood. Scott, what's up, man? Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I guess uh, I guess this is not the way you wanted to start the return of PGA Tour Canada Winnipeg, but unfortunately, you guys have had quite a bit of practice dealing with some inclement weather at your event so far this year. This is old hat for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we've had some challenges this this season. 
uh, with weather. I think, you know, people in Manitoba that follow the tour will know we had some issues at, up at Elk Ridge, which was unfortunate, but, you know, we made the, the best uh, of, a, of a terrible situation. The ownership group at Elk Ridge, uh, you know, really stepped up. So we're, you know, we're excited to get back to Elk Ridge for next year, but, you know, by and large, we've, you know, we've been able to complete all of our events and, and play, uh, uh, you know, a full competition, so four-day competition. So, you know, overall, um, you know, we'll, we'll our, we have a great team on our competition side that will we'll figure out a way to get the guys uh, to, to play the full event. And, you know, you it is an unfortunate start to the actual competition. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but the, yesterday was an amazing day. The Pro-Am was awesome. And, you know, the, the support from the community, um, you know, bringing back the the event after a two year hiatus has been amazing to see, and the guys here at Southwood have done an amazing job, which you know we can talk about. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, listen, and I I think the weather does bode well for the weekend, and mm -hmm. uh, hey, for fans that are getting out there, they may get some bonus golf if we got to squeeze in a little bit of what was supposed to happen today into the next three days. Scott Pritchard from PJ Tour Canada is with us. Um, Scott, you mentioned two years away. Um, this is now rebranded, and it was rebranded a couple of years ago as the Manitoba Open, which has so much great history here in our mm -hmm. province. Uh, we've got a title sponsor this year. I mean, uh, for folks that maybe are just realizing this is happening right now, give us a bit of a rundown on um, the tournament. We'll talk about the tour as well and where you guys mm -hmm. are at in the season before. But as far as this weekend, what can fans look forward to if uh, they decide to come out and see these great athletes go at it? Well, I think... Well, it's kind of twofold. Um, one is, like I said earlier, the, the people here at Southwood have done an amazing job at, um, you know, really bringing this and in, in making it into, into a community event. We have family day tomorrow. Uh, there's lots of activities happening in and, out, in and around the golf course for, for everyone. And um, one of the cool initiatives that they've done this year is they've actually, we have a, a VIP lounge that's sponsored by Play Now. Uh, on the 18th green where if you have a general admission ticket you can actually get into a vip covered area uh, with uh, food and beverage service and and watch all the action you know right against the 18th green and then we also have a vip section which is on the back of the green for sort of upgraded sponsors uh and and the support from from various sponsors across the community so um it's been amazing to see what they've what they've done and and you know obviously we've had two years to to plan and, and reinvent ourselves here in, in Winnipeg. And, you know, again, I can't thank and thank the guys here enough for what they've been able to pull off. You know, you mentioned that cool VIP area for people with general admission tickets. I mean, you know, as a fan of golf and someone that's been to a number of events, both, you know, here in Manitoba and, you know, around North America, it's amazing to see how tournaments and spectating has sort of changed over even the last 10 years i mean our good friend ryan hart who was involved in this tournament in his prior name they got things going on the ninth hole at pine ridge they really mm -hmm. sort of try to get that hockey theme into it we've now seen it at the rbc canadian open um it, it seems like the tournaments themselves and the tours are really trying to uh add some more unique viewing experiences for fans so they could come out and enjoy themselves a little different than they would be able to watching uh, any event on television yeah, I, I think it's a good point. I think you're seeing that across all sports, right? And arenas are sort of changing and reimagining how the, you know, the general seating areas are, are being set up because a lot of the time people just want to come and, and be social. 
and you know yeah the game's happening and you know yeah we'll check out the scoreboard you know as not necessarily a diehard fan but they're going more for the social aspects and so you're seeing that uh happen in golf as well and you know i'd be remiss if i didn't mention on the 17th hole here at southwood they've got the castle mortgage party zone uh, and there it's a scaled down version uh of what happens at waste management uh, there's a live DJ there playing in between uh, whole or groups that come through. Uh, they were there all day yesterday with during the Pro-Am and a few chirps uh, were had uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely trying to, again, what I said earlier, reimagine um, from a fan's point of view and, and what they want to see and how they want to engage with the activity and the sport. And uh, so, you know, we're obviously the weather uh, for today is throwing a little damper on that, but uh, we're excited to to see what transpires over the next three days. Uh, obviously, the move to Southwood has been uh, great, even pre-pandemic and post. This mm-hmm. is a golf course, and I think the fact that we had this lengthy delay just speaks to how crazy the weather has been. Because this is a course that you know has uh, you know incredible drainage; it's been built that way. Uh, but maybe mm-hmm. just speak to the course itself. Uh, and how challenging it can be for players. Uh, this course essentially is two completely different golf courses, depending on how much wind. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, I think the best example that, that I could give is if you look at uh, 2018, when we first played here, Tyler McCumber won, who's now on the PGA Tour. Uh, I, he shot, I don't have the exact number, but it was it was like 25 or 6 under par. Uh, and there was no win that week, right? So to your point, the defense here at this golf course is the wind. And so when we look at 2018, when Derek Barron won, uh, 16 under was the the winning score, which is, you know, that's a real good test of golf for the level of play that these guys are at. Um, so I think you'd probably have a 50-50 split on the field if you're asked the players to say, hey, what would you rather see, you know, a shootout or tough uh, tougher conditions? Um, so, you know, either way, I, I the course is going to produce a great winner. Um, this event and the history of this event, if you, you know, dating back to years at Pine Ridge and Southwood, you know, back in the day, uh, there's a long list of, of very well-known and established players that have won this event and then gone on to uh, even better things on the PGA Tour and worldwide. Well, speaking of of, of that, I mean, uh, I had the uh, uh, regular viewers know I am a card-carrying member of Team Tony Finau. He's our guy. And it, part of the reason for that is that he played here and once he got to the PGA Tour, came back on our show and talked about his experience playing in Canada and what that meant for him growing uh, going forward. And now, obviously, he's one of the top players in the world. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about the development nature of the tour overall, how talented these players are in PGA Tour Canada, and some of the names that have now graduated just in the past few years that are now pushing for, um, you know, doing big things in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, so when we started, we started PGA Tour Canada in 2013, um, and that was actually Tony Finau's first year in 2013, his only year on our tour, because he eventually got on to the Corn Ferry Tour, and now, as we know, uh, multiple-time winner on the PGA Tour, and a great ambassador for the game, uh, and a great guy, as you know. Um but since we started, we've had 54 players that have graduated to the PGA Tour. We have 17 victories by alums. Uh, every Canadian that's uh, played on the PGA Tour uh, since 2013 started on our tour. Uh, so it's really providing an opportunity for the best top up-and-coming players in the world of professional golf, an opportunity to play on a PGA Tour-sanctioned tour, learn how to travel, 
you know, learn how to manage your game outside of the competition, um, dealing with the media, dealing with volunteers, uh, fans, et cetera. So it's a, it's a real, um, uh, what we call a developmental tour where you're, you're going to come and learn the fundamentals. And then hopefully at the end of the year, you finish in the top 10 uh, and you get a promotion to the corn Ferry tour. And then from there, uh, go to the PGA Tour. And we've seen players that have played our tour and been on the PGA Tour within two years. Uh, Nick Taylor in, in, is actually a good example of a player that played our tour in 2013, played on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2014, and then within 16 months of playing in Canada, he won on the PGA Tour. Uh, and, and Mackenzie Hughes, another Canadian player, had a similar progression. Uh, I think his was an 18-month gap before he actually played in Canada and then won on the PGA Tour. So, you know, a lot of the guys in the field this week have experience on the PGA Tour, in majors, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, it's just that they haven't, you know, fully developed and, and or, or had the opportunity to get on the PGA Tour, and, and now they do. Well, these guys are so good. I mean, it is a razor-thin margin at times. I mean, one shot, one putt here and there between, uh, you know, winning tournaments, moving up, and that's because the competition is so great. And I would say that worldwide, but especially for Canadian golf. As we were talking off air, we've got four Canadian golfers playing mm -hmm. this weekend in the BMW Championship in the top 70 of the PGA Tour. From your perspective, Scott, I mean, where is Canadian golf at right now? And how big a part is PGA Tour Canada in producing these stars that are now doing it on the best tour in the world? Well, you know, I think a lot of credit goes to our friend Derek Ingram and in the, in the program they have at Golf Canada and, and what they've done in the last, you know, 10 to 12 years to really develop these players and identify top talent that wants to pursue a career in professional golf. Um, we provide uh, exemptions to two Golf Canada members of their national team every week. So we're giving those amateur and professional young players an opportunity to learn, you know, what it's like to play in a PGA Tour sanctioned event. So what, you know, for the amateurs, when they turn pro, uh, they, you know, they know where they're going kind of thing. Uh, we found in the past, I, I remember talking to Roger Sloan, got an exemption into the Canadian Open. This was way back. And I taught, he missed the cut. I talked, he's like, oh, it felt like a deer in the headlights. Like I, I didn't really know what I, where I was going. And, you know, on the golf course, these guys are all super talented. But to my earlier point, you know, it's really about managing the off course uh, responsibilities that you have. And that's managing your time, you know, eating well, preparing uh, pra your practice schedule, making sure you're organizing your hotel and rental cars, you know, like all the, like you're running your own business essentially. And so when Roger mentioned that to me, you know, a number of years ago, we, we, that was the impetus to get a partnership with Golf Canada and really provide these young players an opportunity to, to come in. You know, for example, they get on site, okay, where do I register for the tournament? You know, who do I talk to about getting uh, a caddy? You know, and so we're giving them that opportunity to learn before they actually turn professional and uh, and and pursue that career. But, you know, all in all, Golf Canada has done a great job. We provide them the opportunity to learn. Um, we actually have a high watermark this year of Canadians with status on PGA Tour Canada. We have 43 players. Our previous high was 37. Um, we're seeing on average about 30 to 35 Canadians play in our events every week, which is which is up from years past. Um, and, and, you know, Will Bateman from Edmonton, he won earlier this year in his hometown. Uh, he's number two on our, on the Fortinet Cup points list. Um, and then, you know, you've got Joey Savoie, Etienne Papineau, uh, they're all playing well. 
uh, from week to week, Jared Dutois, I mean, the list goes on. So, um, you know, I really think Canadian golf is in a good spot. I mean, if you look at the, the young girl finished second in the U.S. women's amateur, uh, you know, Brooke Henderson is competing week in and week out. So both on the male and female side, uh, you know, I think we're in a good space uh, or in a good spot. Definitely, you know, room for improvement, as I think we could all agree, but we're on the right track. Scott, you mentioned the high water mark. We're dealing with a little bit too much of that today, and we'll look forward to getting them back on. But um, listen, I don't need to ask you about what the last couple of years has been like because uh, you've, like so many other businesses, it sucked not being able to you know, be out there and do what you love to do. That being said, the return of PGA Tour Canada this year, well, we're eight, uh, eighth event uh, out of 11. How's it gone overall? How challenging has it been to come back, and how's it been received? So, I mean, we, we were fortunate in, uh, we pivoted in 2020. We, we had a great partner in Canada Life who uh, sponsored four events for Canadian players. And then we actually ran the tour last year, eight unofficial events that provided Canadians the opportunity to earn status for this year. Um, you know, so we kept the, 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 the lights on as it were. Mm and uh, and provided that opportunity and i i think that played a, is playing a, a role in that high watermark it's probably a bad uh, a, a, a bad cliche or you know whatever to use today but uh so that's that's played a role but you know we've been very fortunate in that we've added fortinet as our cup sponsor fortinet cup and it means the competitive nature of the fedex cup um the top 10 as i mentioned earlier uh, we'll earn status on the Corn Ferry Tour next year with our top player earning a full card, as well as a $100,000 uh, prize pool at the end of the season that Fortinet has put up. Uh, the top player will earn $25,000. So lots on the line uh, for them. And then obviously adding Centerport Canada Rail Park as the title sponsor for the Manitoba Open. Uh, you know, I think those two partnerships, and we have a few more ac across the board, but it's... Um, it's showing that you know golf is a space that sponsors want to be in and uh and our players are benefiting from it our sponsors are benefiting from it and so all in all um you know despite the two years of, of challenges and uncertainty i think we've we've come out a bit stronger and uh the season has gone very well i, I would say and I, I say this often you know everything within our control uh has gone pretty much how we expected um, you know, things out of our control, i.e. some of the travel woes that we're all aware of uh, and, and some weather issues. Um, you know, other than that, you know, we're, things are going well and, and we're trending in the right direction. Uh, Scott, how big is it for an event like this to have an NHL star like Mark Shifley uh, participate in? Well, I think it's great. I think, you know, this is a market, as you know, uh, and as a Toronto guy looking in, you know, I, I it's almost like, the fans in Winnipeg, I and I may get I may get torched for this, but are like Toronto fans. But it just you know it's a it's more magnified here because it's smaller market. Um, but I think having Mark play is great. I think you know I felt bad for Mark when he played in 2018. Like and I even talked to him on Thursday or Tuesday about it. He didn't know what he was getting into, right? And he actually said if you, if you saw that him playing in that event in 18 really opened his eyes to how good these players are. And he said, if I ever play in that event again, I want to make sure that I'm prepared and I'm ready. Um, so he's brought his handicap down significantly. Um, you know, he's a pretty jovial guy. Like he's just having fun out there. He's got Adam Brooks on the bag. They're, they're, uh, you know, walking around the courts playing the practice. And I actually 
him a bit of a chirp because he's got a big staff bag. And I said, oh, I thought you said Adam was your friend. And uh, he's like, yes. I'm like, you're making him carry that big staff bag. He's like, no, it's super light. It's super light. And Adam kind of rolled his eyes. But but no, it's good to see Mark out here. And, uh, you know, I know he sounds really excited about the upcoming season. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope he, he takes it all in this week. And, and, you know, ultimately, I think everyone hopes he plays well. Um, but even if he doesn't, it, it won't matter. Well, and he's going to be playing with Braxton Coons, who, of course, is the pride mm -hmm. of Breezy Bend right now. Back-to-back, -back, first time ever, I believe, back-to-back -back junior champion and amateur champion for the province and another great bit of Manitoba flavor in the mm -hmm. tournament as well. Scott, it's going to be a great weekend. Hopefully, we can get this going at some point this afternoon, but certainly tomorrow into Saturday. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday, Southwood will be the place to be. Um, quickly, for folks that are just sort of maybe thinking about what they're doing this weekend and coming out. What do people need to know about them um, taking in the Manitoba Open and uh, what the uh, PJ Tour Canada has going on in our province this week? Yeah, so this event um, is great because parking is right on site. You come up right up to Southwood, you can park on site. You don't need to take any shuttles or, or you know, drive in. You can also take Ubers out here if you want, if you want to partake in the 17th hole festivities. Um, or ManitobaOpen.com. Uh, where you can find more information on social. It's at Manitoba Open. Uh, and then you can also find information at PGA Tour Canada, uh, pgatour.com slash Canada. Uh, the, tons of information on both those sites and social channels where you can follow all the action. Go get the squeegee and help out the guys get this show on the road. I will say I will say this. The, the golf community here in, in Winnipeg has been amazing. Uh, we've got pumps that have been driven in this morning from re golf courses in the area. Uh, fellow superintendents have really stepped up and offered help with both, you know, themselves and their staff. So, you know, just want to give a shout out to the golf community here in Winnipeg for really helping out. It's It's been impressive to see. That is great to hear. Well, uh, here's to a much better Friday than the start on Thursday for the event. And uh, hopefully we'll have a great week of golf and a great champion at the end of it. All the best to you, Scott, and uh, good luck to the rest of the uh, competitors on the PJ Tour Canada event here in Winnipeg this week. Thanks, and thanks for having me on, and, and good luck with everything. Appreciate great. it. All right, great stuff with Scott Pritchard. Can tell you, and for those of you that are planning on getting out to the event, go on to Twitter, follow at Manitoba Open. They've been putting up updates throughout the day, and the latest one, about an hour ago, telling people to hang in there. Hopeful they'll get some players on the golf course today. Can tell you, though, count on it being a pack morning until sundown Friday of action at the Manitoba Open down at Southwood. Um, all right. Uh, we'll get Kenny Weave come on. Uh, of course, he's hydrating right now. You should all be as well. And when we think of water and water services in Winnipeg and Manitoba, it's always the good folks at Culligan doing it for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. They've got water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, your cottage, your office, Culligan is there for you. 694-5180. 1200 Sergeant Avenue and drinkculligan.com. Well, I don't know if there's many Flames fans kicking around here, but I'll tell you what, if they are, they're probably pretty fired up as how the summer's gone for them. And if you're thinking about getting maybe a Flames 91 jersey or a 10 Huberto or your favorite player from any team around the National Hockey League, you know where to go. Royal Sports, in addition to uh, 
thousands and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, tons of Bombers as well. They are the merchandise leaders for the National Hockey League, NBA, Major League Baseball, and tons of NFL gear coming in for the season. And with hockey just around the corner, you know one trip to Royal Sports can take care of everything you need for the upcoming hockey season. But with a little bit left this summer, check out the bikes, the fitness, soccer, baseball, softball, and of course, disc golf as well. It's all there, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Check them out on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, big tent sale coming up, heading into September as well. So keep an eye out for that. And a big thanks to our friends at Boston Pizza for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Had a great pop into BP with my guy, Andrew Chefchuk yesterday. We've got some really exciting things happening for NFL season, including a couple of trips to Vegas to see the Raiders. We'll get you more details about that. In the meantime, summer menus going happy hour from three to six and nine to 12 each and every day. And Hey, if you're staying at home, weather's not too good tonight, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And of course, when we talk golf on this program, we do it courtesy of our friends over at breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs. If you're thinking about a spot for you and your family for a long-term home here in Manitoba, Talk to our friend Corey Johnson about getting on the waiting list for next year. And you can find out everything that Breezy has to offer online at breezyben.ca. And speaking of that, BMW Championships on. I can't give you much of a leaderboard update from the Manitoba Open because no one's golfing there yet. But Keegan Bradley shot a 7-under par 64 today for the first round lead. Adam Scott, 6-under 65. HV3, Harold Barna the third, Shane Lowry, Xander Shoffley, all at five under. And Justin Thomas, he was one of my picks this week. He's at four under playing the 13th hole. Top Canadian right now is Corey Connors, who's three under par playing the 18th hole, tied for eighth with Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth. All right, let's uh, welcome Weebs World in, who is out west getting ready for the Tamarack. Probably a little cheese that he didn't get a sponsor's invite along with Mark Scheifele for the Manitoba <laughs> Open. <laughs> What's up, Weaver? How are you? Huss, great to be with you. Uh, Mark Scheifele's not the only one who wants to stove it up with you. So uh, let, let's get her going. Uh, the, hot, the hot stove at the Fowlers is officially open in Clear Lake here. Great to be with you. Looking great. And of course, Tamarack's a great tournament. I got to say hi to my buddy Tubes and uh, the rest of the gang out there at Clear Lake for the event. And listen, we'll talk Shifley and Jets in a minute, but let's hit the big story of the day. Nazem Kadri going to Calgary. We had all but given Pierre Dorian the undisputed offseason champions <laughs> banner. But as Remus pointed out earlier today, if we want to include degree of difficulty factored into it, Brad Treleving might be at the top of the list, Ken. What do you think about 7x7 seven seven for Naz in Cowtown? I love it, Huss. I love it for the Flames and obviously love it for Kadri. I mean, this is a super interesting story, Huss, and it has a local connection because let's not forget in 2019, both the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets were interested in acquiring Nazem Kadri from the Toronto Maple Leafs when he was available via trade. Kadri saying no to both of those markets at the time. Obviously, now money is a little bit better on a free agent market, and he goes to Calgary. I mean, I love the move for the Flames. I've loved the offseason for Brad Treliving. He was put in an awfully difficult spot by two of his best players. And what has he done? He's gone out and made his team, you know, arguably better than they were before. So, 
uh, I'm with you. And hey, Huss, I mean, we love wrestling on this show. Uh, how about Dorian versus Treleving in a maybe a no holds barred match for the uh, for the offseason title? But uh, I mean, having watched Nazem Kadri for the uh, you know Western Conference Final and the final. This is an outstanding ad for the Calgary Flames. He was a massive point producer last year, and he plays a style of game that is very rare in the National Hockey League, where he can combine the feistiness with the goal-scoring ability and ability to put up points. So, I mean, yes, the Flames lost Matthew Kachuk, who also plays that kind of a role, but they got another guy who's, you know, I would say equally feisty. And again, for the Battle of Alberta folks out there, how about the spice with Evander Kane and Nazem Kadri for the next stretch of time after the way that, you know, Kane's season ended with the suspension for his hit from behind on Kadri. So, uh, you know, fire up that first game in the Battle of Alberta. I, I love the move. And, hey, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Flames could have sat back there. Some fans were saying, oh, the Flames should be rebuilding. Hey, when you have Jacob Markstrom between the pipes, you don't rebuild. So you go for it. So the Flames are going for it. It'll be interesting now to see if they have enough money to maybe potentially sign Mackenzie Weger to a bit of a longer-term deal. But, man, uh, the moves that Brad Chilving has made have been absolutely dynamite, and Flames fans are obviously thrilled about it right now. Of course, we understand, Huss, there's some risk involved with seven years for a guy who's going to be 32 years old. But, I mean, for the time being, for a team that's going all in to try to win, love these moves for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and, and I think it speaks to the challenges of these Canadian markets and, and everything that Calgary's just been through over the course of the past few years, knowing that the time was going to come whether where they were going to get some clarity as to whether these guys wanted to stick around. Obviously, I'm talking about Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk. Both of them were out. And to think that they've turned this around into Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, and Kadri, but maybe most importantly, the extension to Huberto, who basically just took Johnny, Johnny uh, Gaudreau's money and now Nassim Kadri, you're right. Down the road, when these guys are getting paid big money at 35 and 36, what that means for the Calgary Flames, but for a team that was so competitive and so good last year, can they look very, very different this this season? But um, you can make an argument on paper. I know your pal Rennie was just saying he thinks the Flames are better today than they were when they finished the regular season. So um, a real coup de grace for Brad Treleving under the most difficult of circumstances. Yeah, and better for the long term, Hus, because you have two players that have committed to the marketplace at a time when essentially yeah, they're they don't two have other to deal with this guys. anymore. Right. There's this isn't a you know see you next summer and we'll have to you know try to you know band aid and uh, MacGyver it up there and try to put the pieces together. You got two high end players committed for seven seasons. I mean that that's important. One was a Hart Trophy winner and one was a guy who. You know, if he hadn't gotten hurt, Huss, in the playoffs, would have been up there with Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon when it came to the Conn Smythe Trophy. I mean, and then he came back basically with one hand and scored the overtime winner, right? So, I mean, man, this guy had a huge impact on the Colorado Avalanche last year, Huss. Being around their team, I mean, he's a very well-liked individual. Like I said, he plays a feisty game, but he's also incredibly skilled. He can give you top six minutes. And man, we talk about strength down the middle all the time. Elias Lindholm and and Nazem Kadri as your one-two down the middle. Come on. I mean, and then you got Backlund as your checking line guy. I mean, this is a team that's incredibly deep. Teams see the opportunity in the Western Conference. Yes, the Colorado Avalanche are the gold standard, but the Pacific Division, even though the Edmonton Oilers made great strides last year, Pacific Division is wide open, and the Flames hated how last year ended after that great start in Game 1 against the Oilers. 
they got steamrolled after that, quite frankly. So they didn't like that. They think the West is there, you know, to be a contender in. And they went out and made moves accordingly, you know, and some, you know, that took some big brass ones, Huss. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. These aren't easy trades to make. Uh, we know that fans want to, you know, the fantasy trades are always easier than the ones that are made in reality. And like you said, bringing in high-end free agent talent is challenging at times, but the Flames have gone out and done it. They didn't make any excuses. They went out and got the job done. And now we'll see what that translates into action on the ice. I expect it to. Why do you think it took so long for uh, Kadri to sign a deal? That's a great question, Huss. I think this is what happened. I mean, early on in the process, uh, you know, I was following this closely early on. It sounded like the belief in, in the hockey world among reporters and maybe agents and even some of the teams was that Kadri potentially overplayed his hand, right? Given his age and everything else, people were kind of wondering if that seven-year deal would be available. You know, a couple of weeks ago, people thought Kadri might have to take a five-year deal with a maybe a little bit higher AAV. In the end, his agent and Kadri obviously, you know, were able to stay patient and they knew that there was going to be a team out there. Obviously, the team that had been highest on the radar for Kadri was the New York Islanders. But that obviously didn't come to fruition. We don't know how close that got or how, you know, how far away it was potentially. But Kadri stuck to his guns. He had a number in mind that he wanted. And, you know, would he have taken less in New York? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think Kadri's a guy who he knows what's been said about him. We know we can't erase the suspensions and everything else. But this guy is a guy who showed incredible maturity. He went through some incredibly challenging circumstances in the playoffs before he got hurt. And all he did was rise to the occasion. And for a team in Colorado that had had nothing but disappointment in the last couple of years when everyone thought they were ready to get over the hump, he was one of their most influential players at a time when they were looking to get over the hump. So for me, he's getting paid what he's worth. And, you know, mm -hmm. kudos to him for doing that. Because, again, we talked about this a lot when it comes to Blake Wheeler and other people. Nazem Kadri far outperformed his $4.5 million contract over the last couple of years, right? So now he's cashing in. Are there some, you know, consequences potentially down the road? Maybe. But Kadri's a guy who, again, keeps himself in incredible shape. And he's a smart, conscientious two-way player. So even at a time, if the if the wheels start to go later in the contract, same with Huberto, because of his great fitness and skating ability, that's a guy who's still going to be able to contribute even when he's in his later or mid to late 30s. Ken Weeb with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Weber, um, I, for one, have been holding out hope that maybe the market would dictate that Paul Stastny's best course of action would be to come back to Winnipeg for maybe what would be, would be on the table elsewhere. Um, now that Kadri's not going back to the avalanche, what does this mean for Paul Stastny, if anything? And what do you make of, uh, what are you hearing about his situation? What's the latest on Paul? Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I mean, we knew that Paul, speaking of patience, Paul made it quite clear early on that he was leaving all doors open, but he wasn't going to be a guy that was going to sign in early July when free agency opened. He's a guy who was going to basically pick his spot. He's going to go to a contender that he believes can win the Stanley Cup. Um, and to me, Colorado makes a whole lot of sense. We've talked about it for several years. Us. Even before he recommitted to Winnipeg last year, I thought Colorado might be a landing spot for him. I still feel that way. I mean, some folks in the game say, you know, Stastny, he doesn't exactly play the, the high-speed style the Avalanche like to play, but because of the old word processor that he uses between the ears, 
I think he can still be an effective player in Jared Bednar's system. I think it makes a whole lot of sense for him. He has obvious ties to the Colorado area, having played college hockey there, having lived there, having played for the Avalanche. I think it's a it's a natural fit for him. And I think now the price tag has probably gone down a little bit with Kadri not coming back. I think the Avalanche have some clarity in terms of how they're going to fill out the roster. I do think that I, I see a very good opportunity for Paul to potentially end up back there. I thought about Florida earlier too. Obviously, we know how much Paul Maurice appreciates Paul Stastny. But I think with the Eric Stahl situation there, I don't necessarily see them having two guys in their mid to late 30s on the same team. I'm not ruling it out entirely, but I think the most logical landing spot for Stastny would be the Colorado Avalanche right now. Eric Stahl's on a PTO, if I'm not mistaken. Is he not right, uh, sure. Ken yeah, with, yeah. with Florida? Yes, he is. Yeah. So who would be there? Yeah, just I, I guess... know, we, we, know, we know how Paul has talked about him, though, right? I mean, he was revered when he was still in the league. We've heard how Maurice is – like, you don't bring that guy in unless you think there's – like, this is to me is like a Jack Johnson PTO. I think there is a there is a deal in the drawer. You know, same almost when, you know, when Svechnikov signed a, a Moose contract last year initially. There was – as long as you're healthy – there's a deal to be had. As long as you have the motivation, you show up in shape, you're going to be on the team. Um, so basically, if you're a Jets fan holding out hope that Paul Stassi might be back, uh, might be better, uh, might be best to just move on and uh, <laughs> focus on other holes in the lineup and other potential solutions? Uh, I would say, I mean, again, the door is not closed, but I would say it would be more likely the Jets would be looking at, if they're looking to add a centerman, I would say Evan Rodriguez must be at the top of that list. Huss for me, a guy who can play center or a wing, uh, a guy that can give you some flexibility in the lineup. You can play him up and down. I mean, he had the great first half last year. I mean, he scored the majority of his goals in the first 40, 45 games while the Penguins were dealing with injuries to Crosby and Malkin at times. So to me, he's still a guy that, I mean, this is a still a quality player I mean, he almost had 20 goals last year, I think. So, I mean, this is a guy who has versatility. Also, too, on a team that does not have a lot of right-shot players, Huss, to me, Rodriguez is a natural fit. Yes, we've talked about Sonny Milano and some of the other guys out there, but I think, too, with, with the uncertainty about Pierre-Luc Dubois in two seasons' time and with Mark Scheifele's deal expiring in two years, I think Rodriguez would be a nice, nice kind of backfill type of player that can also give you top six minutes when you need them. He's more of a middle six guy but a very versatile player. And I think he'd be a guy that is definitely still on the Jets' radar. To me, too, he just seems like one of those guys who's being very patient. We talked about it before, Huss. I mean, the middle class, I wouldn't say it's gotten squeezed, but it's certainly uh, its certainly less than what we thought for a lot of these players. So uh, I could see Rodriguez being a really good fit for the Winnipeg Jets. But again, I don't know how their scouts feel about him. But I would imagine he's a guy that would have a lot of, would still be attracting a lot of interest for that second tier of the marketplace. But that's where you can put your team over the top, right? Every team has a strong top six for the majority of the time. So if you can get Rodriguez, maybe he's on your third line, stretches your depth, and then you can move him up and down the lineup depending on how things are going, especially for a team like the Jets who are counting on Cole Perfetti to be a top six player based on how the roster looks today. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it, it is a good point. Um, you know, listen, there's plenty of plenty of still questions that remain about the Winnipeg Jets lineup. And um, you know, you said you know I'm not necessarily saying that there's a squeeze in the middle class. I'll say it. I think the middle class is squeezed. The lower class is absolutely squeezed. I mean, essentially, if you want to play, you're probably looking at a you know at a deal that is not seven figures. And I heck with Nassim Kadri. 
considering what he probably, I mean, evolving hockey, Remo and I got a sub to that, and we've been sort of following the predictions, and they've been right on for most. They were thinking Asim Kadri was getting in the eight and a half range. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. All that being said, it brings us to the Jets situation right now. And I know you've sort of just laid out the case for Evan Rodriguez here. The further we get, especially closer to training camp, with this logjam of defense on the Jets, Ken, I can't help but think that the, maybe the logical solution to this is for Kevin Chevalier to use some of his limited cap space remaining to trade one of the defensemen, any of them, that you know might get some sort of value back and take a player that is making more money than the defenseman was to add to the forward group alleviating a little bit of cap space for another team. I mean, to me, Kevin Sheveldayoff has some assets, but maybe the biggest asset when it comes to changing this roster with 10 teams needing to get under the cap is that remaining space that the Winnipeg Jets have now that the RFAs are signed. Yeah, bang on, Huss. And I've been listening to you during the course of the week and the last few weeks. I mean, we've discussed this a little bit, but yeah, I mean, right now, so it's interesting. I mean, the Jets are positioned to take on a salary. I don't think they necessarily want to take on a bad salary, but they have the ability... And again, you mentioned Sean before. Sean and I were talking about this yesterday during the Rogers Golf Tournament. I mean, look at what the Jets have done in the past. Look at their acquisitions. They they picked up Paul Stastny. They regained, retained or they Paul Stastny back from the Vegas Golden Knights when they were strapped for a cap space. They went out and got Nate Schmidt from the Vancouver Canucks, who were looking to lighten the load when it comes to the cap situation. And Brendan Dillon from the Washington Capitals, after Alex Ovechkin signed his deal, they needed to shed some salary. So. I mean, if we're looking historically at what Kevin Sheveldayoff has done, he has found players that teams can't currently afford on their team and brought them to Winnipeg. And again, I saw also, I mean, the Jets never wanted to lose Paul Stastny to begin with. So to me, that's a little bit of a different situation. They were probably going to be comfortable paying him that money had he not left Winnipeg for Vegas in the first place. But that doesn't mean that they wouldn't look at doing that again. I mean, they definitely have the ability to do so. But the other thing for me, Huss, I mean, Cap space is still going to be an essential quality, even though we expect that, you know, one or two or three years down the road, the numbers will be going up. But you have to be careful with the term you're bringing back if you're bringing in a player like that. So I do think it is a, a something, cap space as a weapon, I'm, I'm with you. I'm buying that. I'm buying that Hustler stock right now. But I also think the Jets may use that to help themselves in the short term but also leave them with the flexibility to maintain that cap space, especially, you know, we've talked a lot about Blake Wheeler this summer and knowing that next year would be the last year at 8.25. I mean, his salary this year is less than his cap hit, but next year it's back to full pop. So I do think there is some flexibility there. And I'm with you. If you're looking to add another top six piece, moving out someone like Brennan Dillon or Dylan DeMello or one of those guys who makes more money than Dylan Sandberg or Billy Hanela will, makes a whole lot of sense to me, especially when you consider the season that Declan Chisholm had. There's a little bit more backfill than you maybe anticipated. And then when you look at Elias Solomonson and the you know the kind of projection that he has, even though he's going to be playing in you know in Sweden this year once again, a couple of years down the road, he could be back in the system and you know who knows how long it takes for him to get up there. But he's a highly touted prospect on the right side, which is something they don't have a ton of. And again, the guy who sort of seems to get left out of the equation a lot, Huss, when we talk about this in the summertime, I mean, Johnny Kovacevic had a great year. 
right? This is a guy who, yes, he's on a two-way for the first year. I don't anticipate Johnny Kovacevic being exposed to waivers because I think that teams would look at his mobility and size. He's one of those late bloomers. He's a guy that would get claimed. Teams are looking for defenseman depth all the time. So I don't Especially see Especially cheap ones. Exactly. So to like, me, Kovacevic is also on not. the team. Right, but he's on the team. So if he's on the team and we expect Hanela and Sandberg to be on the team, well, you've got there's too many chairs and not, or there's too many people and not enough chairs on the musical chairs game. So I, we've talked about this for weeks, and I'm with you. I'm surprised it's taken this long, but I will be shocked if all of those veterans that we have spoken about are on the opening day roster. Us. I mean, I just don't see that all teams are looking to upgrade their defense core. I mean, look at Ottawa. You've talked about how great their offseason has been, and it's been great. They're still looking at Jacob Chikrin, Huss. And they have Jake Sanderson, who's one of the best defense prospects in the NHL. So if Ottawa is looking for defense, you can be sure that about 29 or 30 other teams are looking for capable defensemen. But when they look at the pie chart, they're not sure how they're going to fit 3 mil or 3.9 or whatever the other number is. But the crazy part of the equation is that there's still teams that need to get to the floor, Huss. So maybe one of those teams, maybe there's a deal, whether it's a three-way deal or a head-to-head -head deal straight up, I still think the Jets are going to be moving one of those veteran defensemen. And when that time comes, I'm not sure, but we always know this too, Huss. In training camp, somebody always gets hurt or shows up to camp. Something strange happens. There's a freak injury. And now suddenly one of those teams that was looking at Brendan Dillon at 3.9 are going to put somebody on LTIR and have the room to add him to the equation. Now, what they want to give up, now that could be something different. But we're still in the strange place where some teams aren't sure how competitive they're going to be. Is the door wide open? Should they rebuild? I mean, it's a very fluid situation on a lot of those fronts. But I still do anticipate the Jets moving at least one of those veteran guys because like I said, unless you're exposing the big ticket item to waivers to potentially have them sent down a la Andre Pavlik, I don't see them running the risk with some of their young players. And that's another thing. We talked about David Gustin last week, Huss. The one thing I didn't mention, people were saying, oh, well, he has a two-way the first year. Who cares? The Jets Same are thing. not exposing David Gustafson yeah. to waivers. I mean, <clears throat> that's the kind of player that gets snapped up in a heartbeat by a team that needs center depth. So... Gustafson's on the team. We expect yeah, some of these other guys to be on the team. Yeah, never never mind even thinking about exposing David Gustafson to waivers. The way the team's made right now, we could have starting a, an opening day roster with 12 forwards and nine defensemen. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, there's not a lot out there. But listen, moving on, um, you mentioned Blake Wheeler. You hearing anything on that? Is it sort of status quo on that? As as we get closer to the beginning of training camp, is it more and more likely that Blake Wheeler will be back as a member of the Jets this season? Yeah, I think so, Huss. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, over the course of time, things can change. I mean, at one point, it seemed like it was like 90% chance both sides are ready to move on. But I think after Blake Wheeler spoke with Rick Bonus, I'm guessing that things you know, I, I bet Rick Bonus probably is one of the coaches that looked at Blake Wheeler from afar and said, that's a player I would like to coach. This is a guy with an incredibly high effort level. He's been an incredibly productive player. And, you know, he's been in a leadership position for a lot of years. So I'm guessing that Rick Bonus 
and Blake Wheeler had some pretty honest and candid conversations. And to me, the fact that Blake Wheeler is still a member of the Jets would, I mean, it doesn't mean for surely that nothing is going to happen, but I anticipate Wheeler to be part of the team next year. And I expect him to come back excited. I mean, Blake Wheeler is a guy who does soul searching during the off season. We know he came back after 2019 and sort of, you know, shed a different light about how he wanted to change his leadership style a little bit more. So to me, I could easily see a scenario where Wheeler comes back and plays an important role for the Jets. Having said that, like we've talked about before, that role has to include maybe more of a, a complementary role. And that doesn't mean going down to 15 minutes per game, but Blake Wheeler being a second, a solid 1B or second line right winger would be a good role for him and for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, we know he has chemistry with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I expect those two to start the year together if they're, you know, if Wheeler is on the team, in which we right now it looks like he's going to be. So I think much in the in the you know, maybe what we saw from I know you've talked about it with everybody else, but I mean, like Mark Shifley's demeanor changed. It did a complete 180. And sometimes the benefit of time and being able to get away, that helps. That helps you feel better about things. I mean, it doesn't help you feel better about how it ended, but guys are at the optimistic time, right? I mean, people come to training camp feeling good about things. And I think much like Mark Shifley did in his expressions with us or at the Manitoba Open Presser, I think Blake Wheeler shows up at training camp if he's still here, and I expect him to be here, as I mentioned. I expect him. I mean, is it going to be a sunny disposition? That I can't guarantee, but I think it'll be a lot sunnier than the guy who said it feels we're back to square one on the last day of the season. And again, Huss, we ask players to be truthful all the time. So that's good. Let them be truthful. But then if we don't like the answers, often you see people saying, well, I didn't no, like but Here's the said. thing, well, though. We know what the answers are, and nothing's really has changed. Is it uh, – I mean, I, I just have to ask. I mean, if they're – can we really expect that just everyone's going to go their separate ways and things are going to come back and like all of last season is completely erased? I mean, how much of a miracle worker do we expect Rick Bonus to be? Haas, I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, when things don't go well, obviously it's tense. There's tension. People say things to each other in the room. Sometimes people get offended by those things again. And I have not been in the dressing room since COVID. So I don't pretend to have the same kind of heartbeat or pulse as you would in a normal situation, when you can talk to players on a daily basis, when you can observe and see how players interact. But to me, having played on a lot of teams, Huss, when things aren't going well, you don't want people to be happy about it. Now, in terms of how people act and what things are said, you know, those those things happen behind closed doors and people have differing opinions about them. I, I would tell you this, if the Jets get off to a two and eight start next year, yeah, sure, then there could be some remnants from last year. But if the Jets start seven and three, I don't think we're talking about whatever dressing room issues or whatever's happening. I mean, well, here's the thing. They team... started nine, three and three last year. It was their best start ever. And then things went right. into the tank. I mean, I, I, I just sure. I listen, I would love I would love to sit here because I know the talent on this team. I would love to be able to say, man, you know what? This team really does have what it takes to just completely move on past last year. I'm just not sure that it does. And I think that it's a hell of a lot to ask of a new head coach to come in and literally be the difference that takes a team that was incredibly disappointing to a team that reaches its full potential. I'd love to be wrong. I just have a hard time selling that to people listening to this show. Sure, Huss. But to me, here, here's the other part of the equation. Like, 
if we look at the roster for 2018 and 2019, you know, first three quarters of the year before Buffalo and Morrissey got hurt, the core pieces are the same. I mean, the core pieces got along just fine in 2018 and for the majority of 2019. So to think that they couldn't get to a situation where guys get along, you know what helps guys get along? Winning hockey games, right? So yeah, I'm with you, Huss. It's so easy and people forget the Jets had the great start last year. Sure, it was a bit of a softer schedule, but things went into serious disarray, Paul Maurice resigning and everything else. So, I mean, do they have some obstacles to overcome? Absolutely. But the only thing that is going to matter is what happens. People are going to show up with a good attitude in September. They're going to probably have to do some team bonding things of that nature, but every team does that, right? I mean, I don't think the Calgary Flames got along great last, you know, prior to in the Canadian division when they missed the playoffs. But you know, outside of Mark Giordano leaving, it was the same leadership group that they had coming back the year after, and things coexisted just fine there. So, I mean, how's, do you think that'll be the case? If everyone's back, is the leadership group the same? Is Wheeler the captain? Is Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey the guys with the ace? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I don't know how Rick Bonus views it, but I've said this before, and I'll say it again. To me, the only way Blake Wheeler is not the captain of the Winnipeg Jets is if Blake Wheeler doesn't want to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And some people might not like that answer. But, I mean, to me, he's been the face of the franchise for 11 seasons, and he's been through the ups and downs. And, you know, you don't have to like his leadership style, or you don't like you don't have to like the way he deals with the media. And Huss, to be honest, some fans like it when Blake is snarky with the media. And often when Blake is being snarky, it, don't get me wrong. He, some, he sometimes gives his best answers when he's not in a good mood. So... I mean, unless he unless he feels the weight of the responsibility is too much to bear, and I don't think that he does, I expect Blake Wheeler to be the captain of the Jets. Could they modify the A's or add one more person? I mean, you know, now that the situation has changed on the coaching well, hey, staff. Let me ask you this. I, I can easily see this, Adam guy. Lowry being one of the alternate sus, right? I mean, Adam well, Lowry is sure. part of the I, leadership group. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, I guess you mentioned him. You're right. He has sort of been the face of the franchise for this last number of years, and we know what's happened with the team with all the challenges that the Winnipeg Jets have right now in this market, getting fans back on board, engaging people, does it make sense for Blake Wheeler after apparently having one foot out the door all summer to come back in the same position as essentially the leader in the, in the face of the franchise, to use your term? Yeah, so we talked about this a lot. Because we don't know the full story, I, I don't want to, I'm not making any assumptions about Blake Wheeler having his foot one foot out the door because I don't know if that's the case. It sounded like the teams, you know, what think leaks obviously happen, probably from both sides, but Blake hasn't come out and said he's disappointed. And the one thing that has been consistent with Blake since he arrived here, we know because he talked about it when he was, you know, celebrated for his thousandth game. This is where Blake Wheeler felt comfortable. The Jets allowed him to feel to become the person and the individual that he is. So he went out of his way. He's built a house here. His family loves it here. He chose to make Winnipeg their home. So I think it's a mistake to suggest Blake Wheeler some somehow did a 180 and said, I'm out of here. I'm tired of Winnipeg. I don't think that's the case. I mean, did he at one point express some frustration with how things have ended? I mean, of course. And let's not forget, I mean, the backdrop that people also forget, and some people don't care about this, Huss, but like, let's not forget, in 2010, or in the trade deadline in 2011, Blake Wheeler was on the team that won the Stanley Cup, but was traded to the Atlanta Thrashers. So this is a guy who, never mind 2018, when he made the conference final, and his team won nine games. The team that he grew up in the NHL with won the Stanley Cup without him. 
So that's something that is always kind of stuck in the craw of Blake Wheeler. I think there's nothing Blake would like more than to win a championship with the Winnipeg Jets. And I think he'd love to do it as the captain and be the guy that raises the trophy first and then hands it to whoever's beside him, whether that's Mark Shifley or, or whoever else. But again, Blake is a very emotional person, but he keeps a lot of those emotions to himself at times. I mean, I expect Blake to come out and have a great season. I mean, he had a very strong season last year in a lot of regards in terms of his offense. I mean, there, yeah, we know the underlying numbers weren't great and they had to switch the lines up. And at the end of the year, Blake played his best hockey playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois. So to me, Blake Wheeler can be a very effective top six player. Yeah, I get it. Some people say, oh, well, play Blake on the third line. Well, if the Jets had someone to play ahead of him, by all means. But right now, Blake Wheeler at 35 years old is still ready to be a contributor to this hockey team. I mean, in terms of what happens behind closed doors, Huss, and what kind of things need to be said or what fences need to be mended, that I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that if Blake Wheeler is a Winnipeg Jet, he is going to exert 100% maximum effort, and he's going to do his part to be a good leader. Whether that means he needs to change that leadership style to a degree because you got a bunch of young, sunny disposition guys when he's a little bit ultra-serious, you know, that's on Blake. But to me, this is a guy that's been around a long time, Huss, and this is a guy that wants to win. So to me, I think he has the ability to adapt. And hey, I get it. We talked, you know, you talked a lot about Shifley and PR earlier this week, but having been in that conversation and Huss, I also spoke to them a little bit beforehand and a little bit afterward, mostly about golf. But this is a guy whose perspective has changed with the benefit of being four months removed from May 1st when things weren't great in his life. His season ended with a terrible injury. He was in a sour mood. His team, which was supposed to be great, underperformed. Mark was supposed to be a 100-point guy last year. He didn't get that mark. It was terrible personally and professionally and for the team. So uh, now a guy's had a summer of recharging and mm. refreshing. And, I mean, you talked about it with Mike. Mark is jacked, man. I mean, he's always been a fitness guy. To me, he looks stronger than he ever has been before. But to me, I didn't see it as a PR move. I agree that there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things that needed to be smoothed over. But Hus, to me, having been in that conversation, Mark's not a very good BSer, is what I would say. So I felt that that was more of a genuine feeling. And again, let's not forget, it's not long ago that Mark was the aw shucks guy who liked talking about hockey. And to me, the more that guy's around, the better chance he has at having success. Mm. Because when he is on, when he's under the dark cloud, that's not good for him because it means it's not going well for him or the team. But, I mean, again, the proof will be in the pudding, we, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, no doubt. We, I know we got to close up the buffet because you've got a tea time coming up. <laughs> but uh, we heard it. We heard it from Shifley himself. That was the media. You look yourself no, in the mirror. You caused all of that, Ken. The media <laughs> yeah. was a media concoction. Anyways, we had a good laugh about that. No, hey, no, before quick, quick, we go, we we got to give a shout out to TSN post-game Hall of Fame caller, Marshall Patterson, who has put a blade into your bag. I don't know, folks, if you can see this. Get this right up there. Wake up, stamped right on the blades. I know you wanted to give a public thanks to Marsh for that incredible gift to uh, just what you need. Another uh, another thing to uh, butter knife a, a wedge. Those look sweet, though. Yeah, you go. 
Amazing. Uh, yeah, Marshall Patterson uh, was kind enough to send uh, the wedges with his wife, Elena, and uh, picked them up this morning. Can't wait to put them to use with your with our pal Mark Chuby uh, coming up with the uh, tea time at the top of the hour. Uh, great appreciation. Team, team Titleist, uh, they look absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, if they can sh- help me shave a few strokes off the game. Uh, playing in my first Tamarack and feeling like a rookie again, us. Uh, very exciting times and uh, can't wait to get out there. I've heard all about how great an event it is. I played in the Grail before, uh, first Tamarack, and uh, we know there's some great action going on at the Manitoba Open as well, but uh, a great time of the year for the golf world. And yeah, Marshall Patterson, just a great supporter of uh, of all our shows and, uh, and a great friend. And uh, we're very appreciative of, the, uh, of what he's been able to deliver here. Well, I'll tell you what, you were snubbed for the sponsor's invite to the Manitoba Open, but I have no doubt that we'll be talking about an incredible performance at the Tamarack uh, next week when you join us. Uh, Hit him straight, say hi to Tubes, and get ready for some laughs with this round today. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for having me as always, Huss. Uh, We'll be looking forward to chopping it up next week, where I think I will be finally back home for the first time in a month here for my normal hit, so it should be good. Good. Well, Remus is gone for a couple of weeks. So if you want to jump on me on with me one of the days off the top and just hit uh, all the topics of the day, I'll hit you up. You're uh, more than welcome. Always love having you on the program. Take it easy, dude. See you, bud. Thanks for having me. Right, Cheers. Right on. There's Ken Weeb at Weeb's World on Twitter. Make sure to follow him. By the way, folks, great crew here in on the YouTube channel. If you're new and if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great thing about subscribing. Certainly it helps us grow the channel. But if you do miss the live show, when you go to YouTube, fresh the latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content there for you at your pleasure. And of course, subscribe on your favorite podcast feed so you get the audio so you can listen to the car wherever else you are. Uh, Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, hit the subscribe button. All right, Andy Mack coming up. Lots of NFL news to talk about. Before we do that, big thanks to Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're thinking about getting a new vehicle, before you do anything, head on down to Not and talk to the experts on what you're hoping to get what they have on the lot and if there's something that you've got your heart set on they'll find it get it here to winnipeg at the best possible price why not get in to the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the knot team visit them in person at the showroom at waverly and mcgillivray or check them out online at knot.ca hey first things first big thanks to all of uh, the uh, folks that were with us yesterday that jumped on our little early link for our event over at Little Brown Jug. Sports trivia hosted by yours truly. I'm really looking forward to do this. <clears throat> I was the uh, trivia host for so many years down at the ENC, and that was pub stompers doing all sorts of things. But we're curating our own sports trivia night with our friends at Little Brown Jug. Very limited seating for this event, and a number of you jumped on tickets yesterday. So if you haven't already, We'll get that link in the description. We'll be sticking it up on that. And, of course, we also, to everyone that signed up for the newsletter, we also sent one out. Essentially, the tickets, uh, basically, it's you're buying your first beer. It reserves your seat there. And um, we've got a capacity probably in and around 70 for this event. And I know just from yesterday, talking about it on the show and putting that link, we're well over 20 before Little Run Jugs even put it out. So would love to see you there. It'll be a great Winnipeg Sports Talk get-together at one of our favorite places, Little Brown Jug. Get on that. Get your tickets. Join us there for it. And, of course, Little Brown Jug down on William Avenue, the best spot to get some of Winnipeg's finest local beers. 
We had a few 1919s at the game last night. We'll touch on that after we talk to Andy McNamara. And hey, a big thanks to Nick and Nikki DQ and their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Well, it's sort of rainy right now, but it's always a great day for a blizzard. Amazing new summer blizzard flavors, uh, flavors available. And check out those new, new stack burgers as well if you haven't already. And hey, if you've got an event coming up where you need a DQ ice cream cake for it, everything goes better with the DQ ice cream cake. DQ Manitoba on Instagram. If you want to connect with them, let them know what you want for a custom cake. They'll get it done for you, and you can pick it up at any of the four. Nick and Nikki D. All right. Really looking forward to bringing my good friend Andy McNamara back on the program because there's lots going on in NFL training camps as the preseason continues. And Andy's Browns get some clarity on their new franchise quarterback and how long he's going to be out. Andy Mack, what's going on, man? <clears throat> Hey, brother. Good, Huss. Good. But yeah, that DQ stuff's making me hungry, man. I love, I got to say, I love the the new, it's the cookie dough with the Reese's Pieces bits. That's Yeah, that's the right Reese's here, man. Pieces cookie dough blizzard. So it's good. number It's number oh. one on my power pole. There's, uh, really? Listen, it, so good. Oh, oh I'm with you. 100%. With you. I mean, uh, there's a bunch of favorites going on, but I think I had that one. We were heading out to Dauphin, I think, around Canada Day. And I've almost been exclusive on the uh, on the Reese's Pieces cookie dough blizzard since then. So, so uh, endorsed by uh, both of us. Try it some point yes. soon. Hey, listen, before <laughs> we talk about Deshaun Watson um, and everything going on with the Browns and around the NFL, of course, you are uh, doing your great work with UFF Sports. We've talked about that before. Exciting season coming up. It is fantasy season right now. Dusty and I just cranked out the fantasy football extravaganza on the lock shop. We'll do more of that coming up. But... You were just at a massive fantasy football convention. What the, tell us about this. I, I'm very intrigued as oh, to man. what was going on and uh, what you came back with. Man, well, first of all, Huss, next year, you got to come down to this, brother. This is, it's really, really cool. It was, you know what really stood out to me? It was in Canton, Ohio. So, you know, any excuse to get to Ohio, I'm, I'm down. Uh, drove down. What stood out to me was like the positivity and just, uh, collaboration of all these different fantasy groups from fantasy footballers to uh, companies that you never even really heard of, but they're, they're great people and the amount of relationships and, and just back and forth of like, wow, you do this part in fantasy, you do IDP. Well, we're doing a 53-man, 32-team roster in UFF sports. Maybe we can have something. Then there's a fantasy betting side that comes along with it as well. And it was just massive. So I got to give you a couple highlights, okay? So first of all, we were at uh, there was a cornhole tournament, Centennial Plaza, which was had a big game on the, uh, on the uh, preseason game was on the big screen. And I've never played cornhole before, Huss. Okay? So I didn't know the rules or nothing. So I threw it. Our team went up 13 nothing, And I thought, I'm, I'm the best cornhole player who ever lived, clearly. And we blew it. 21-17. I was the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl of cornhole. We blew it. It was a choke job. And then we did flag football. At the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the field where the guys were playing the exhibition game, it was amazing. We were eliminated quite quickly, our team, very fast, but I didn't pull any muscle. So, uh, you know, it was a success. Well, good stuff. I, I Listen, I'm so geeked for fantasy season. I'm already trying to plug in the different draft dates. We're all making it happen yeah. over the next few weeks. Um, but let's talk about what's happening in the National Football League right now because we'll have some regular fantasy-focused uh, conversations throughout the season. Clarity 
for your Cleveland Browns. Hey, just before we talk about this, I mean, listen, I know you've been a lifelong Browns fan, and the Browns fans are as loyal as anyone. How has this entire Deshaun Watson saga gone over with Brown with the Browns? I mean, you've been looking for this franchise quarterback for so long, but man, this guy comes with uh, the amount, I mean, almost an unparalleled amount of baggage for an NFL player. And now he's not even going to be available to the team until week 13. Yeah, for 11 games. And honestly, Huss, it kind of feels like you, the Browns sold their soul, right? You've been in quarterback hell for the most part since 1999. Now, Baker looked like he could have been the guy. I personally think if you ran it back with a healthy Baker, you could go quite a ways. However, the, the tipping point to me last year was that uh, Kansas City Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game, where I saw Mahomes and Allen, that classic that went back and forth. And Huss, you know what? I watched that, and in my heart of hearts, I was like, Baker can't win that. Deshaun Watson can win that game. But again, it feels like you sort of sold your soul as a fan because it's like, look, you cheer for the name on the jersey and the city, right? That's what you cheer for. Players come and go. So I want the team to do well. But at the same point, you have Watson, and then it's like, he apologized today, but then he's also like, but I did nothing wrong. It's like, dude, just shut up. Go away to November and come back and hope you're good at football and things will go on. The NFL through its history is littered with monsters of human beings, right? Monstrous people. So it, this isn't unique in that sense, but the baggage that's come along, it is really for Browns fans, hindered any sort of celebration or outward excitement. You almost feel like hidden, like, well, I hope he's good, but I can't seem like I'm too excited. You know, it's, it's very confusing. Yeah. Um, where does this leave the Browns going into this season? I mean, are we basically talking about a lost year? And the fact of the matter is, you know, you might be able to stomach it if you were going in and getting a great pick. Well, I mean, all their picks are gone to the Houston Texans for the foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah. Three next three first round picks. And like the movie Draft Day, for anyone who watches, there's no no Kevin Costner. There's no Sonny Weaver Jr. to get those three first round picks back. Plus David Putney. Putney's not coming in either of the picks. Us. They're not coming. So... <laughs> That's the other thing. If you if you you lose, it doesn't help you. So you're really at, you're really in a point where you're missing the draft picks, but you're also missing potentially a year of Miles Garrett in his prime, Nick Chubb in his prime, whole bunch of other players. So you're hinging your hope on Jacoby Brissett, career journeyman backup. Is he a higher one of the higher end backups in the league? Yes. If it was the six games, could I stomach it? Yeah, eleven. Like really, what are we hoping for? I'm, when I'm looking at it you're probably at five and six, which would be right around where Jacoby Brissett is. He's an under 500 starter in the National Football League. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, Deshaun Watson comes back and everyone's thinking, okay, he's back. Well, this guy played one game and it was the preseason for five series in two years. And it, so he's not just not going to fly in and start balling out. He's going to have to shake it off and it might not even be fully shooken off by the end of this season. So really, you're going to have to be relying on all the surrounding pieces. The surrounding pieces are there. And that's why they went out and got Deshaun Watson, because they thought, well, we need an elite quarterback. We plop that in there. We're Super Bowl contenders. And that's a fact. But you're not getting an elite quarterback right now. You're not going to get him at his best even when he returns. And, and you also then have to hope mm. Jacoby Brissett's healthy, because then you got Josh Dobbs and Josh Rosen behind him. It's not good. Josh Rosen's just been waiting for another chance. He's, he's just he's, been he's bouncing terrible. around team after team. Dude. He's been in a tough situation in many spots, he's but he's had terrible. so many chances with a bunch of different teams. And uh, I guess I'll just say if Josh Rosen's ever taken snaps for the Browns, 
That'll tell you all you need to know about how this season yeah. has gone for Cleveland. Uh, going into the season, assuming, knowing that Deshaun Watson's out until week 13, what what's your preseason AFC North power poll? Who's the team to beat? Is it the Bengals or is it the Baltimore Ravens? Because I don't think anyone could make the case that right now it's the Steelers with their quarterback situation. No, no, no. Definitely not the Steelers. I put the Bengals at the top. I do. Um, the improve. What were we saying all last year on the show, Huss? Boy, if the Bengals would have just addressed that offensive line, keep Joe Burrow a little safer, create more holes for Joe Mixon. Well, they did it. Pains me to say, but they did it. So now you're getting Joe Burrow. And remember last year, Joe Burrow was coming off of that major, major, major knee injury. Went to the Super Bowl. Well, now he's a full year back from that. You have Jamar Chase in year two, who's an absolute stud. T. Higgins, who, by the way, fantasy-wise, that's the guy you want to target. Jamar Chase is going to go high. Do not sleep on T. Higgins. I have both him, and Chase, and Higgins as top 12 finishers in my wide receiver fantasy power rankings PPR. So you have that. You have Joe Mixon in a pass-heavy offense with an improved offensive line, and you can still run with the ball behind that improved offensive line. So I think the Bengals are the team to beat. They've done enough to stay good on defense. The Ravens are just going to try to ground and pound you on the offensive side. And then the defense got a bit better, but not significant. So I feel Lamar Jackson's going to take a step back. Again, another step back. Decline from a year before. Oh, he got injured. That's part of it. So he runs too much. They have like four running backs there. Really, Huss? If, if we talk fantasy as well with this AFC North, I want nothing to do with the Ravens outside of Lamar Jackson as a, a back-end QB1. I don't. I have him at 11. I think that's where he's finishing. Um, I don't want any other piece of that team except for Mark Andrews because he funnels the ball to him. Anybody else? No thanks. It's all committee. So I think it goes uh, uh, Bengals. I hope the Browns second, but, you know, if Jacoby uh, – has a career year, I suppose, but likely Ravens, then Browns and Steelers. Um, Andy, um, give me an unbiased view on the AFC West. I've been joking that this division mm. is so stacked. The NFL should oh, have man. a special pay-per-view package just for the AFC West games. And then there's the rest of the league. You yeah. know where my allegiances lay. Um, yes. Uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say that the Chargers are a very, very deadly team. And both the Broncos and the Raiders have made significant improvements. And the Chiefs look different, although, you know, different people have different opinions on it. I mean, uh, give us your give us your rankings of that AFC West. Who are you high on and uh, who are you maybe not so high on? I, I, first of all, I'm with you. Uh, that is pay-per-view television anytime these teams match up. I, I want to see year with this year, do they cannibalize each other? Like, what does the win totals look like for these teams who are really going to be in head-to-head -head battles? Now, if I'm just looking at it straight away, I'm thinking the Chargers. However, we haven't seen the Chargers yet, and Justin Herbert, still young player, being able to get it done. Lots of flash, lots of show, lots of stats, but they should have made the playoffs last year. They choked. Does that improve this year? Maybe. They have the talent, but does it improve? Now, the Raiders, you get Devontae Adams, stud. Upgrades Derek Carr downgrades Devontae Adams, if we're looking at fantasy, but you're going to get a lot, a lot, a lot of targets, of course, for Devontae Adams. And Russell Wilson with the Broncos looks like, because the question I got asked a lot, Huss, is Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton with Tim Patrick out. Looks like Cortland Sutton is his guy. He's going to him. Not that Judy's not going to get touches, but he's going to be the guy. And you still have that defense. And then you look at your Chiefs. As you said, different. But what do you need in this league? You need a franchise quarterback. Last time I checked, there's not too many better. Patrick Mahomes. Now, 
what I'm interested to see in, in at 33 years old, Travis Kelsey, who it looked like last year, we may have seen the tip of the mountain start to come down on that other side a little bit. What does this offense look like? Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh was tremendous as a number two. When given the chance as a number one, he choked it away. He has another chance to do that now. McCall Hardman was banged up. Okay, where, where are we looking at from this wide receiver core? What are we looking at with this committee at running back as well? Because I don't think this is Clyde Edwards-Alaire's backfield alone, not by a long shot. You're going to see a lot of different looks here. Is Travis Kelsey being just pumped the ball a la Rodgers to Devontae Adams? So if I'm looking at rankings here, Hus, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Chargers. See, this is so tough because you can have any one of these teams first. Like it's cr- to say one team is last. It's like they're not. They're still not a bad team, right? So I'll say Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders. But like, could you see a world? Let me ask you something. Could you see a world where all four teams in the AFC West make it? Like that. That's that sounds kind of crazy, but not that crazy. I mean, it, it would mean that they would really need to dominate their out-of-division schedules because, yeah. you know, just by definition, when you've got six games in the division, um, teams are going to win and teams are going to lose. But certainly on paper, talent-wise, I think you're talking about four, you know, potentially the top 10 teams in the league all playing in the same division. I'm not sure we've ever been able to say on that. Let's get back to fantasy for a minute because you mentioned – you know, your ratings and where you had Lamar. And 11 is almost a shockingly low rating just because of how much he runs right. the game. Um, who's at the top of your list? I mean, Dusty and I were uh, – Nielsen's quite high on Lamar Jackson. Um, Josh Allen seems to be the consensus number one. Um, is that the case for you? And, uh, I mean, who who's that top tier of quarterbacks at the fantasy draft that you would, you know, really try to look at if they were available? And if not, maybe wait. So uh, to me, I tried to, because the popular pick is Josh Allen. And Huss, I tried working my way around. How can I not have it Josh Allen? And I couldn't. I couldn't not have it Josh Allen. It has to be Josh Allen. We know why. Cannon arm, he can also run, and he's got enough weapons. I think Gabe Davis takes a nice big step forward this year. That's going to be a nice little pick. You have Dawson Knox as well. Good enough running backs around him. Everything's in place. Now, where it gets interesting for me is who's after Josh Allen. So I'll give you my top five to start. I've got Josh Allen. I have Justin Herbert of the Chargers. Again, kind of a Josh Allen-like guy, right? Big dude, can move, has a big arm, lots of weapons. Then I have Joe Burrow at number three. You have to look at the offense, people, when it comes to fantasy. Are you run first? Are you mix? Are you pass heavy? Zach Taylor and the Bengals throw to a fault. That automatically makes, with the weapons around him, Joe Burrow, a stud. So I have him him at number three. I got your Patrick Mahomes at four, mainly because we the removal of Tyreek Hill, we have to face it. That's significant. That's a significant removal. So I have him at four. Number five, I got damn Tom Brady, Huss. Damn it. I can't. I, I can't. How are we going to bet against him? One day it's not going to work. But until it doesn't work, the dude threw for 5,000 yards. He threw for 5,000 yards. He's 43 years old. Am I, now, we know with pass-only quarterbacks like Tom Brady, like Matt Stafford, if they're not throwing three touchdowns, no picks, 300 yards, you're, having, you're not having a good fantasy day, whereas those other guys like a Jalen Hurts, who I have at six, uh, are able to adjust with that. But Tom Brady, with the pieces around him, he wants one more go at it, Huss, and who am I to doubt him? You know what? Let me hit you with this. And folks, the, if you if you missed uh, Nielsen and I cranking out for the lock shop, the fantasy football extravaganza on Tuesday, we'll have another episode doing running backs next week. Um, and again, consider the source. But I'm going to make the case why Patrick Mahomes this year 
might be even more deadly than he's been in the past. I mean, I don't need to yeah. recite the, the 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 resume of Patrick Mahomes. Everyone knows yeah. who he is. But you're right. Things are different this year without Tyreek Hill. Here's a couple of things. First of all, you saw in that first preseason game, he goes six to seven, completes passes to six different receivers. And don't think that Mahomes hasn't heard some of the doubts about where he's at, not to mention the ridiculous things that Tyreek Hill has been saying, like Tua Tagliavoa is the most accurate quarterback that he's ever passed. So I don't know what Stop. was out there really trying to yeah. pump up his tires right now. Here's the thing, though. The Chiefs have the most difficult schedule in the National Hockey, in the National Football League, and it's by a lot. I saw a crazy graph that kind of graphed all the teams, and then 32 was way down there just because of how much of a meat grinder the Chiefs' schedule is. Well, think about the Chiefs in the biggest games. And, and the Bills games last year were the perfect example of it. Mahomes would go from 20 yards rushing to 60 and 70 in games against the Bills. Why? Mahomes could run way more than he does. But the fact of the matter was, more often than not, they haven't needed it. I think that they are going to need to count on Mahomes' running game a little bit more. And listen, that does come with some risk, of course. But... When you think about the games and the way that Mahomes has played in the playoffs, think about the down being the, the game where they were down to Houston. What came back? Well, he was certainly throwing, but he was jumping 15 and 20 yards, taking what offenses gave them, and that was in the running game. And, you know, as long as he stays healthy and they're in games where they're going to need to put up 30 and 35 points to win, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes has an absolutely scorched earth season and proves to everyone once again that he is the number one quarterback in football and that could mean being the number one fantasy quarterback in football as well don't count out number 15 it don't pay to do that it doesn't pay to do that you're right and you know what as you mentioned that i could be interesting to see end of the year and as the year goes on those rushing yards like you said you know i think a big part of that is going to have to be they're going to have to earn back the respect of defense without tyree kill to have those defenses lay back so that you have a soft coverage right off the top. So Mahomes can run for 10 yards before anyone looks at it. So is Juju Smith-Schuster going to be able to be that guy to stretch it? Is MVS? Is uh, it, Hardman's, Hardman's hurt? Kelsey, we know what he can do. So where, you know, Sky Moore, little guy, but he's quick. So I think a lot of it is going to come down to, uh, can this Chiefs offense stretch the field and get that respect from the defense so they have to be softer? You know, that's going to be a big part of it. And then also, I wonder how the running backs are used a little bit more. I see Jarek McKinnon is hurt a little bit, but we know he can catch the football. You mix in Ronald Jones with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You have a bit of a, a mix and match, you know, so you the, have the those guy, little The guy downs. we're going to be talking about, the guy we're going to be talking about in the Chiefs backfield is none of the three that you just mentioned. It's the sixth Ooh. round pick, Isaiah Pacheco, that has Pacheco. been the story of training camp right now. And while he probably won't start as the guy Mark my words, Andy, by the time we get to week 10 or week 11, he is going to be the guy I think that the Chiefs are leaning on in the backfield because um, I don't want to say the pick of Edwards Hilaire has been a bust, but we're getting into that territory right, right now considering where he was picked and uh, there's a lot of pressure on, on the Chiefs. Um, I know we're going to be getting into some pretty interesting territory, you know, in these final couple of weeks with preseason games, who's in and who's out. I mean, honestly, most of the time you're just praying you don't see a guy on yeah. your team end up uh, getting a serious, serious injury right now. Um, but 
as far as like the league right now, is there anything in particular you're paying close attention to, you know, in camp and in preseason over the next couple of weeks, as far as positional battles or, or, or key things that maybe have fantasy relevance that you're still waiting to know before you get to the draft day? Well, a lot of it was uh, people going to new homes, right? How do they adjust to it? And we've talked about some of them already. W- big question with Russell Wilson was, who's going to be Russell Wilson's guy? You got some pieces, Jerry, Judy, Portland, something we talked about, even KJ Hamler a little bit, Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick, and uh, you know, real life wise, it's sad that he's hurt, of course, but him getting injured fantasy wise, opened a lot of things up because then you got one big body guy out of the way. So, okay, what does Russell Wilson look like? Also in the backfield with Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon was, he made an interesting comment. He's like, it, it was, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, hey, this is Javante's world, man. I'm just living in it. So does that what does that mean? What, like how, how big of a season? Because Gordon coming back was a hit to Javante Williams' fantasy value. So I look at that one. You look at the Miami Dolphins. Miami is one of the most intriguing teams to me because you mentioned Tyreek Hill pumping the tires of Tua. It's like, let's let's relax, Tyreek, okay? <laughs> Tua's, uh, you know, I listen, I, I don't know after this year if Tua is a starting quarterback in the NFL. So let's settle down. What it does is it, it at least neuters Jalen Waddell's PPR value. Because I loved Waddle. Straight PPR. Oh, WR2. Book it. That was tremendous. You're going to have to give a lot of touches to Tyreek Hill. A lot. Or that positivity is going to switch quickly. So now you look at it. Okay, we're downgrading Tyreek Hill from where he was in years past. You're downgrading Jalen Waddle. I still like Mike Kosicki, but how much are they going to be running? Well, then you look at that backfield, and that's a hodgepodge. So that two is situ- So what I'm going to be tracking the rest of this camp in Miami is, are we seeing any sort of patterns what's the health is there any sort of clarity in that backfield it just seems like in, with the dolphins there's a lot of stuff but there's not a lot of okay i can count on that guy and if you can't count on it then you're chasing your tail and you're riding that fantasy roller coaster of one week's good one week's not hey speaking of the dolphins um are any of their running backs worth drafting who do you think going to be getting the touches Man. who do we want on the squad well, you know what? When we look at the Dolphins, I'm just going to pull up their depth chart so I get the whole whole pieces here. Yeah, okay. So we got Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, and Miles Gaskin. I call him Gaslight Gaskin, Huss. Gaslight Gaskin because he kept burning me last year, and I kept believing that. I was questioning myself. I kept missing on him. So I don't like Gaskin, and he's fourth on the depth chart. This is a schmoz. This is a disaster of a backfield. Who's going to get touches? Probably a bit of everybody. What is Raheem Mostert at this late stage in his career? Had a nice little surge in San Francisco. I'm not counting on that. Absolutely He not. was great when he, he played, but the bottom was. line was he was only in for a little while. Like when he was there, he was legit running back. And then, of yep. course, Eli Mitchell came in. They moved on from there. And, um, you know, he he's uh, – but I, I'm with you. I mean, if you've got three quarter or three running backs that are getting touches, you don't have one for fans. And you probably football. have four here, Huss. You probably have four. Sony Michelle, come on. Sony, Sony Michelle had a chance last year too. Sony Michelle's a guy. What, what is he going to be doing? So what you're now going to be seeing is who's vulturing. You're guessing. Again, I hate guessing when it comes to fantasy football. You're going to be guessing who's getting a goal line touch. Some of them, all of them. You know, where we, Chase Edmonds is another. Uh, Chase Edmonds, as your third down back, as your change of pace guy, love him. Number one on the depth chart? I don't like that at all. So I personally am going to avoid all Miami running backs. I don't think you can count on anybody with them. At all. Do you want to take if if you feel if you're feeling one, get him as a depth guy, but do not have any of the Miami running backs as a guy you need to start in your fantasy lineup. 
Hey, last one, just because you mentioned Mostert, um, the team that he left, uh, the uh, 49ers, of course, is Eli Mitchell, who was the big waiver wire pickup early last year and you know yeah. had a great season. Many people are hanging around. But I'm very interested in your take on this offense with Trey Lance as the number one QB. First of all, I, I feel that Lance is the biggest boom or bust quarterback in fantasy football this year. I mean, I think that with like his ceiling could be top five. Um, yeah. if things don't go well, um, could potentially not play later on. I mean, I think there's so much unknown. Um, where are you on Lance and where are you on the Niners? Here's the thing with Trey Lance and people make the comparison of either coming from a small school or super raw, like a Josh Allen, but or Carson Wentz, even um, those guys played a lot of college football. You have to remember Trey Lance barely played last year. And then he played appeared in like three games the year before in college. So his last full like one year of college football, like three years ago. So we're looking at a guy who has all the tools, all the talent, and look, you are with one of the best quarterback-minded coaches in all football, Kyle Shanahan. So you couldn't have landed in a better spot. But what is this offense going to look like? And I'm totally with you. We could. It would not surprise me if we saw Trey Lance end of the year and he's QB5, and you're like, wow. Or I also wouldn't be surprised if we see him Boy, he's right at the back of the pile because he was running, but he's throwing interceptions. And uh, it's it's the great unknown. And again, I hate unknowns in fantasy. So what what this does, of course, at least with Jimmy G, you know, okay, I, I know what I got with Jimmy G. I'm getting a dink and dunker. Going to run a lot. Committing. Trey Lance is going to have to run. Trey Lance has a good arm, but when you start seeing those more complex NFL uh, defenses, are we going to be seeing turnovers, young quarterback? Probably. So what does that mean for Debo Samuel? Debo, Sam, Debo Samuel, who I adore is being way overdrafted. People are thinking of Debo Samuel last year. Debo Samuel has a totally different situation this year. Let's not forget about Brandon Ayuk as well, who's a nice little slot receiver. George Kittle. Where do you draft George Kittle when he's on the field? Arguably as good, if not better talent-wise than your guy, Travis Kelsey. Dude can't stay healthy. Do I want him? Yes. Can I count Get on him? Get out of here. No. No. <laughs> I will, I will I not throw stand. That I will not I stand. Throw that he's smirching. The great, I the love great Kelsey. Travis I love Kelsey. Kelsey. But, 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 Hus, you, you have all these situations, and then the running back should it be Eli Mitchell? Yes, we, we know by now we can't count, count on Kyle Shannon. Nobody knew Trey Sermon was in the doghouse, nobody until week one. And Eli Mitchell blows up. We're like, what's your oh, yeah, yeah, like, well, Kyle, that would have been helpful yesterday if you would have told me. It, it could, you have Jeff Wilson Jr., it can be you want Eli Mitchell, but. Again, it could be all over the place when it comes to who to count on in that backfield. So my my thing is when you're looking at San Francisco 49er players this year, tread cautiously. I would oh, I would look for any of these players, try to have a safety net from another team. Don't try not to rely on anybody as your whatever position number one, because this offense can be completely unpredictable until we see it in action. Andy, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can do this on the reg as we get into the season. Oh, yeah. Quickly fill people in on what's going on with uh, UFF sports. I know everyone must be geek. This is the time of the year heading into football season. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, man. Well, we got we have our brand new college league, our ultimate college fantasy football league. I'm going to be announcing shortly, Huss, I got two to three college current college football players because you have the NIL stuff signing on with us. So as ambassadors, so I'm super pumped about that. The league is tremendous. Uh, it's a 36-man roster. We're going to be competing. There's going to be our DFS NFT, so our Daily Fantasy NFT card game coming out in the next few weeks for college and NFL. And we have our 32-team, 53-man roster. We've talked about this before. 
Ultimate Fantasy American Football League. How do you find out about all of it? All you do, you go to uffsports.com. And if you want the league, slash and put the initials, UFAFL, UCFFL, or just follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Tons going on there, and there's a lot more coming. So it's it's an exciting time of the year. Well, I'll tell you what, we can uh, maybe chop this up next week and uh, continue to get ready for kickoff. And I'm still waiting to find out when season two of our wrestling fantasy league will take place so I can (laughs) defend the belt on drop the belt. (laughs) On drop the belt. Listen, I'm in first place on like a random league. I couldn't beat you, so I had to to go on a different one. Yeah. No, you got got the title, brother. You got the title. Absolutely. One one of these days we'll be... uh, We'll be starting a fantasy league uh, for wrestling in UFF sports. We just got to find the time, but yeah, we'll do that soon. Well, that was a hell of a lot of fun. We'll uh, have to get the, get another season planned at some point next season. Andy, yeah, for sure. stay busy. I know you are my friend and uh, I'll hit you up and we can do this again next week. If you got time. Absolutely, buddy. Anytime. Talk to you soon. Right on. There's my guy, Andy McNamara. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at AndyMC81 and check out everything he's got going on with UFF Sports. Um, All right. Hey, a big thanks to Princess Auto for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. One week today. So weird with the bomber bye week. I've been talking about bombers catching walleye as opposed to preparing for an opponent, but they certainly deserve the week off. Uh, But next Thursday, bombers. Princess Auto tailgate party before the game, 5.30. Every game, make sure you get there early. Head outside the stadium to the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Take advantage of $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto crew. It is the place to be before each and every Bomber game. And uh, just picked up that great new sea can from my friends over at Confusion Corner Bar and Grill. So even more options to get drinks before the game, before you go in and see the Bombers do their thing. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And speaking of the Bomber games and the Princess Auto tailgate party, when you're there, make sure you try the incredible new drink of the summer the CC and ginger ale from our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, ready to drink, RTD, as they say in the game. Uh, six packs at your favorite beer store or local Manitoba Liquor Mart. And you can also grab it around the stadium on game days at IG Field, along with Canadian Club for your cocktails, as well as the entire Beam Suntory family of drinks is of course canadian club is the official sponsor of the winnipeg blue bombers and the official spirit of the blue and gold pick it up today cc and ginger beer stores liquor marts and of course manitoba liquor marts for all the great canadian club products and it wasn't a great night for remus and myself last night with all those horses there was some money to be made we didn't make it but we'll be back at it uh, or at least i will be next week making picks while remus is away I'm sure he'll be able to do it remotely as well, though, because, of course, you can bet online for Assiniboia Downs at hpibet.com, as well as tracks in and around the world. Uh, but there's nothing like seeing the horses live at Assiniboia Downs. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, live racing, 7.30 p.m., and you can give them a call at 885-3330 to get a, a reservation in the dining room. Get on that world-class prime rib buffet and taking a great night of racing over at Assiniboia Downs. All right, well, this has been a great show. Alex has done a bang-up job getting us through. Let's check in with Michael Remus, though, because uh, 
I'm interested to know how Remo's afternoon has been uh, for the first time, not having to uh, basically produce the show, but I'm sure he's been keeping an eye on all the maniacs in the chat room and everything else going on. Remo, what did you think? How, how has your last hour and a half been? Oh, man, keeping up with this chat is something else here. <laughs> Got to keep everyone in line. Um, I've actually been, well, I've been texting with Alex, giving him some uh, pointers, but I'm also, but I made a new post on our Instagram and TikTok, just a highlight of our Mason Appleton interview from last week. So uh, check that out. And I just put together a video for YouTube that's going to come out probably tomorrow morning. Just uh, you and Murat talking about uh, from last week, free agents to target if anyone missed that. Uh, I do like putting out highlights on YouTube. Haven't done it as much in August, but uh, we'll be getting back on on that train. Uh, Excellent. I, another the, uh, reason, season. if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit that red subscribe button, and uh, join us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, as well as the additional content that Remus has been churning out outside of our regular show hours live at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, now, Reem, let's do the cool bet lines, and then we'll get to the goodies from last night. Um, quick check-in on the Canadian Football League. No change in the Elks Red Black game. This one opened at four and a half for Ottawa, and it has stayed there throughout the week without a move either way. Cannot say the same for the BC Lions. I got on this BC minus two and a half when we did the lock shop on Tuesday morning. It went up to three and a half. It went up to four. It's now five and a half for BC. Everyone's buying in on the hype around the Lions and quarterback Nathan Rourke, and a lot of people selling the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. BC right now, five and a half point favorites. Alouettes open as two point favorites at home against the Ticats. That's now up to three. And the Calgary Stampeders were one point favorites to begin the week. Now, Andrew Harris out for the season. That number is at minus two and a half. Full lines available for the Canadian Football League at CoolBet, even on a week without the defending champion world Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, hey, shout out to everyone that rode with me on our parlay for yesterday's quarterfinals. Germany plus three and a half, Switzerland plus five and a half. No, they didn't win, but they both covered. That was sweet. Semifinals are set for tomorrow. Canada versus the che or Czechia. I was going to say the Czech Republic. Now it's Czechia who had the big upset of the day beating the United States. Canada right now, two and a half point uh, two and a half goal favorites at minus 175 we'll look to see if there that number actually might go to three and a half considering what the number is right now and finland and sweden incredible rivals going at it the Finns are a goal and a half favorites but getting plus 158 i have a feeling we'll get a relatively lower number on a straight up money line closer to game time it's all there at cool bet if you haven't played before go to coolbet.com and use the promo code wst on your first deposit for a 100 bonus up to 200 bucks all right remo before we go uh, i figured that you know maybe if nazim kadri didn't sign this morning we'd have a little fun talking about the game last night down at the ballpark i was there saw a number of wst listeners thanks for saying hi um we had a good time, and I have found, and we've mentioned, you know, we get these great interviews with our guests, and we can put them out, and there's engagement. Absolutely nothing gets engagement like food picks from the ballpark, <laughs> and uh, we had another couple beauties. This started with the barbecue bowl a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't believe it was like 250 or 300 likes, so we figured 
We better fire up a couple more. And there were some beauties last night. Yeah. Here we this go. Is, uh... This is the first. This is Mr. Pierogi, one of the elite items in the ballpark. And that has been my go-to for the last couple of years. I often get the boiled. My buddy Zolt, who was with me yesterday, he ended up going for the fried pierogies. The thought process was, well, I can't really deep fry them at home. So we'd get them that way. That was an excellent, excellent uh, uh, piece that I would say that's on the left field line at Mr. Pierogi, very close to Craft Beer Corner. Speaking of beer, I've got to give a shout out to Brett, the uh, the best beer man in the game. And he's been the beer guy at the ballpark for, geez, I don't know how long, but Rianne Marcoux from the, from the Bombers tweeted me back when I put this out. Pairs well with the little brown jug from a Hall of Fame beer guy. He said, Brett is still there. He was working there when I was working at Goldie's Grill back when I was 15 years old. So he's got a lot of experience and is the most polite individual, maybe in the service industry, tips the cap to the fans after a nice tip. Um, he certainly deserved that last night. But then we took it to another level. I was still hungry. I'd had a few 1919s. It was time for me to get into it. And then, as the tweet says, butter chicken has entered the chat. First time I'd ever tried the butter chicken from Clay Oven. It was absolutely phenomenal. And no surprise, much like the barbecue bowl of last week, um, my notifications have literally not stopped going off since I posted these yesterday. We shouldn't be surprised. You figured it out, Huss. Like, what were we doing uh, starting Winnipeg Sports Talk? Winnipeg Food Talk has been where it's at. <laughs> Uh, big, big area, you know, big hole in the market that we can get in on and, or stadium food. And you've definitely uh, hit the mark here with going to the gold eyes and trying, I don't want to say everything, but trying a lot. And I don't know. I honestly don't know how you had that program, assuming you shared that with those guys and then went for the butter yeah. chicken. Cause that's, yeah, uh, that's I pretty was impressive. The, I, I, I housed the entire butter chicken. Uh, and I had a pierogi. I often get the pierogies, but yes, for those people that were wondering. And by the way, there were some ridiculous comments well, how, back too. I don't know how people immediately go there. Yeah, yeah, the comments are like asking you uh, about your bathroom habits after eating all. That. I was like, who's who's writing this on social media? That's that's disgusting. Like, keep that, keep, no one's thinking about that. I'm looking at this. I'm thinking about great, delicious food. Other people go uh, Newton's law, every law. You know, what for every action, equal and opposite reaction. They're going for the reaction, not the action. It's uh, it's disgusting. And I had no issues whatsoever, nor did we after the barbecue bowl a couple of weeks ago where some people, it might have been the same people that concerned. I think maybe if people have those reactions themselves, they just assume that everybody else does. But no, it was uh, it was smooth sailing. Great night at the ballpark. The only thing that could have been better was if the Gold Eyes had won. And um but as I say, win or lose, it's always great going down there to Shop Park with what's going on. I will say this. I, I will make this commitment to you. Adam Droward, thanks so much. 20 bucks in the super chat. Enjoy your vacation, Remo. Much deserved, man. Absolutely. Remo will be back tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, next week will be the first time where uh, he'll be gone. I guess he'll be here for one day. And the, the better part of the next couple of weeks, Alex will be hanging out with us, getting us on the air and uh, through till 3 p.m. or shortly there afterwards. But Gold Eyes are on the road after tonight, assuming they get this game in for a 10-day road trip. And then they're back for seven before the playoffs. And 
I will be doing the Grand Slam sandwich at some point from the Big Smoke Barbecue. I saw that at the game on Friday. I could not believe it. And uh, we'll save that. That might be that might be the closing item of our tour of concession and ballpark food. And we may have to start doing this at Bomber Games as well and certainly Jet Games. But as we all know, the Gold Eyes, when it comes to food at the park, have really, really raised the bar. Um, folks, great show today. Jet Oil Tom. Five bucks. Love the food picks and advice. I, I will be your go-to guy for advice. If you're going to the game, you can tweet me at Hustlerama. I'll give you some, some picks, some do's and don'ts, and the best places to go to eat at the ball game. Uh, it's the least I can do. It is one of the few things that I would consider myself an expert in. Um, all that being said, though, Reem, uh, a great show today. And uh, I guess we got to give a big thanks to Alex for uh, doing such a great job getting us through this first show. And uh, it should be smooth sailing, even with you taking off for a few days. It's such an important part of this show every single day. Yeah, this has been uh, this has been a bit of a change here for me today. But nice to know that I'm able to take uh, some time off. I know you took some before. And it was nice uh, you know, to know that we're able to do that. Now, I believe me, I was worried for a while that I'd never get a day off uh, ever, but uh, here we are. It's going, going great, so thank you. Well, this is going to be good. I took my two days. Remus is taking two weeks. Fair? I'm not sure, no, I'm but taking... that's just the way that it's going. Hey, you took, <laughs> kidding. I, you took a bunch last year. I haven't taken one. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going for, I think I'm taking eight days. I'll be here. What day? I'm taking uh, next Tuesday I'll be in and next and the Friday after I'll be in. I made sure I'd be By back the way, for that marble race. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I have to just quickly check out the chat. Uh, uh, some people, Stormy and Kabil's, uh, Huss, you're going to do a Walby burger? Eric, Huss versus the Walby burger? That's a no. There's no way I'd be able to do that. And I'm a notoriously slow eater. It might take two games for me to get through one of those things. Although... If I do see somebody taking one down at the game, I'll try and get a picture of it and put it I on social one. media. A good reason, by the way, to, if you haven't already, give me a follow on Instagram at Hustlerama. Got a great picture of my guy, me and dancing Gabe yesterday. Threw that one up on my Instagram story. So uh, do that. But most importantly, make sure you're following Sports Talk at Sports Talk WPG on all your socials. Remo's throwing some great stuff up on TikTok, Instagram, and more. And, uh, that is, um, that's basically it. We'll see whether, oh yes, Comet, Hus calling out the wave was epic. By the way, we did get a like from a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of that tweet earlier today. So uh, the players notice as well. There's a time for the wave. That wasn't <laughs> it. And as I say, I'm not saying that that was the reason they lost, but it did somewhat sort of curse them. And we all know karma is very much real. Uh, listen, we got to get going because we got to get this podcast up. But big thanks to Alex for doing a great job for day number one, hanging with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, Remo, you will be back. Tomorrow's a Friday show. Huge show. We've got a marble race, a special appearance from Sarah Orleski talking about her move from TSN to the Jets. Brandon Rewicki's going to pop by. Hacksaw on Friday. Marbles going to be a great one. So do not miss it, folks. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and podcast. Do us a favor. Tell a friend about what we've got going on every day here and let them know how they can check us out. And most importantly, be here tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube and the, later in the afternoon on the podcast to get you ready for the weekend. 
including Sarah Orleski. Really looking forward to tomorrow's show. Have a great one tonight. We'll see you in less than 22 hours right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.